Hey guys, before we get started, this episode of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast is brought to you by High Season Co., a social media agency with over a decade of marketing experience who are crafting the way brands are perceived online. These guys aren't just marketers, they're liquid enthusiasts, craft beer nerds, hip-hop heads, and Gary Vee disciples. So is your social media looking tired? Are you having trouble getting to your customers? High Season can make it happen. Check them out, highseasonco.com. That's highseasonco.com. Now let's drink some beers. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all are brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 117 of Beer and Other Shit, the podcast. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are in glorious Beamsville, Ontario, with Uncle Mark Horsley of Bench Brewing. <laughs> Mate. Good to see you. Likewise. Yeah. Been a long time coming. It has been, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like you've said a few words now, and people will be realizing that you're not from here either. Yeah, yeah. I'm an, I'm an Aussie as well, uh, from Brisbane, uh, but I've been here just over a decade now. Love it. Yeah. I love it. I feel like this is kind of, uh, it's exciting because there's two Aussies in Canada talking about beer. Normally, yeah. like, it's only ever happened when I've been back home. So this is nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Loving it. Yeah. Feeling Canadian? Every day, man. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> it's glorious. So uh, let's start with the beer, then we'll get into the story, man. Which one you want to uh, yeah, um, open? Let's let's crack our crowler. Let's do it. It feels good. I love that you guys do crowlers. I feel yeah. like it's still not uh, hasn't been picked up enough. It's a it's a it's a good vessel. It's a one way vessel and it's a liter of beer rather than two liters, so it, you can do it in a sitting. Yeah. And no one's cracking a crowler, putting it in the fridge, and then drinking the rest of the next day. No. So it, it, it means the product gets people's glasses in a better way. Yeah. In a better form. And you know that way you can check that you know the, everything's done right at the brewery. That's true. And I guess it's... Uh, how long does it last for? Like, I feel like maybe everyone, thank you, will have a different opinion on it. But is there like a, a standard sort of agreement on like a Crowler has this level of expiration or whatever? Uh, we're, we're working to kind of extend the lifespan of our Crowlers to do complete CO2 purges, to do all our seam checks you do in a normal can. Yep. So same way that our cans can last months, um, our Crowlers should last months as well. Amazing. So we're working on, on getting our Crowler to be just as good or better than I can because I think the larger the vessel size, the better it ages. Really? Yeah. Interesting. You've got less uh, oxygen in, the, in a large bottle size. Mm-hmm. The same way that your big wine bottle formats, you're laying those down for longer. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a Crowler or right. uh, you know, a Magnum or a Jeroboam, all those fun bottle sizes. Those, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, I love the Crowler. It's, uh, it's a good vessel and it lets us you know, just um, can up things that are experiments that are a little one-off you know, a few barrels that we might um, keg up, mm-hmm. we, can, we can pour some in a crowd if I need it. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, people can take it at home and still, you don't have to commit to a whole, like, run or whatever and That's see it, how yeah. it goes. Do you, do you do everything in a crowd? Like, is there everyone, oh, no, we don't want to pour that much? Um, I mean, if we've got mm-hmm. it in a bottle, um, chances are we put in a, we'd like to serve it in a bottle as well because it's more efficient for us to to sell a bottle than a crowler. True. Um, but this just, you know, for our little tiny experiments that are, are so small that we're firing up the line, mm-hmm. this is, it's a good vessel. It's a way to do it. Yeah. Bam. All right, mate. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Get it in ya. Oof. I tell us about this one too. Yeah, so this is a, um, a Brett IPA or an IPA on Brett Tannomyces. Love it. We basically took our um, our Bulls Falls uh, Session IPA mm-hmm. um, across to the, we have a clean side and a funk side in our brewery. So we took it across to the funk side Reef mentored on our house culture of um, Saccharomyces, Lacto, and Brettanomyces. Mm-hmm. Gives it a real funk to it. Um, so you get that nice kind of funk, and then we hit it with the big um, American Pacific Northwest hops. Nice. It definitely got that, because I know uh, Bowls Falls is quite the juicy session IPA, and this definitely is yeah. maintaining that. Here I wanted to be like 
dry, funky, and juicy. It's got it all. Yeah. I love it. 4.9 as well. Yep. Crushable. Yeah. You can knock a crowl back yourself, mate. No worries. <laughs> That's it. Everything we do here, I try and keep it between four to six to stay respectable. Nice. Um, That's just a yeah. personal preference? Just because I like, I like drinking beer. Um, <laughs> I like sitting down people and drinking beer. And when you stick to the lower alcohols, it's just, it, you can drink more of it. Drink more of it, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I just feel like, yeah, if you have, like, like there's clearly a time and a place. Sure, like for the is, big yeah. dogs and stuff, yeah. and it's kind of fun. Like you'd probably have this much of a eleven percent stout, and then you're good to go. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little, a uh, little rougher. Um, let's get into your beer story, man. Like, uh, how did you begin? Yeah. Um, so I've always, you know, uh, liked beer in a, in, a, in a sense of you know I drink whatever's local around. But it was uh, somewhere around 2010. Okay. I was getting out of the. Uh, I was a photographer before that. I was getting out of. Uh, the paper industry because that was kind of on the decline right looking for something Smart. new to do and I, I like the um, the technical creative aspects of beer making um, you think about recipes but then putting it to numbers and uh, yeah it's uh, you know to produce something tangible mm-hmm. uh, is something I've always been been uh, attached to uh, so yeah so I, I flipped into the Naira College program oh nice um, first year it was through there and pretty much within six months of being that program I was a night shift brewer at Nickelbrook in Burlington, where okay. we got to start up and um, do a lot of fun experiments. You know, it was a very yes culture we had there. So can we go down to Kentucky, get some burn barrels? Yes. Nice. Can we start doing some, you know, uh, sour beers? Yes. So it was good. We made a lot of uh, good strides there. And uh, yeah, so six years later, uh, we had the opportunity to do something of this scale, mm-hmm. um, focusing on farmhouse, funky sour beers. Um, just all the toys that we want to have uh, here to do to do all the beers we've wanted to do for a long time. Right. So then at Nickelbrook, were you responsible for like the Kentucky Bastard? Like that was your... Yeah. So, uh, That's amazing. That was us. Uh, we drove down to Kentucky, picked up the barrels, came back, and then had to brew a beer to go into it, which is Imperial Stout. Right. And then we just started riffing on it. Uh, we made Kentucky Bastard, then Winey Bastard, and, the coffee and then the Cafe del Bastardo yeah. with my friend at uh, Detour Coffee. Um, yeah, so it was kind of it was kind of a cool a cool start to barrel aging, you know. Right. Um, and then I started moving more to wine barrels. So here we're only using wine barrels from the Twenty Valley region. Right, keep it real local. Yeah, so nice. uh, so we know the story and the parentage of every barrel that we use here, and um, and that's a big part of it because barrels are one of your ingredients, uh, right. along with your malted hops and your yeast. Barrels have a massive influence on a beer. Yeah. Um, so being able to to know the barrels and talk to the winemakers because they're regulars in our tap room every afternoon. I bet. Yeah. And pick their brains about you know what did this barrel go through? What should I expect if I was designing a beer around it? And mm-hmm. very often we can sit around and have a beer and discuss uh, that. So it's it's, it's a really cool. it's a really fertile place uh, down here. Um, just to be able to pick the brains of farmers and winemakers and uh, you know and know a product better. Right. Yeah. That's really unique. I love that. So like that barrel program that got you into the barrel aging and so when the bench opportunity came up, you're like, yo, this is what I want to do. Exactly, yeah. So are you therefore then responsible for the direction of the beer or was that with the uh, with the other owners? Like was that like a collaborative thing or were you like they hired you to yeah. be like, I want to do this and they're like, sweet man. Yeah, yeah. So basically uh, Matt and I sat down for a pint in Hamilton one day and um, yeah, he just, you know, I think he'd been influenced. He'd been down to Jolly Pumpkin and had a lot of their funky farmhouse beers. And uh, he was looking for a brewer to do something like that for him. Right. Uh, so we got talking and he's like, all right, you love, you love barrel-aged beers, you know, funky sours. You want to set up this brewery again in wine country. That's ticking a lot of boxes for me right here. So uh, we thought about it for a while and back and forward and, you know, everything just kind of fit together. Right. What was the time frame of from when you, 
when that opportunity came up, like I guess you were still probably yeah. at Nickelbrook yeah. there for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think I was. I got off the night shift, talked to Matt, uh, thought about it for about a week, and went that just it's it's, it's, it. it's too perfect. So uh, left Nickelbrook, went on a one month holiday back to Australia because nice. I knew that starting a new business would probably be a while before I get back again. Fair. And um, yeah, so that was almost three years ago. Nice. Um, okay, so this has been quite some time in the making. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice because um, Nickelbrook gave us some space to work out of to to start our new recipes, um, which was awesome. They gave us a tank um, to to launch our our first beers. Right. Uh, after that, the LCBO got a hold of uh, of Balls Falls and wanted to start listing that. So we scaled up um, into another brewery in Toronto at, uh, at Brunswick Beer Works nice. and started making our mask while we built this place. Mm-hmm. And then once this place was completed, we pulled everything back here and, uh, and did everything in-house. I love it. So essentially, this is a, the, the ultimate like contract brewing success story in the sense that you built the brand via brewing elsewhere, got it in people's hands, got yeah. it familiar. You guys were very uh, uh, active, um, I guess, in like festivals and the community out here as well. Yeah. Uh, full uh, disclosure, we, my company High Season, we're working with you guys for a solid 10 months, I think. We spoke to Vanessa damn near every day. Uh, and it was just really cool to see you guys grow. And this is really, really nice for us to see. Like, I don't think we only met a few months back, yeah. but uh, like to see the scale of this place and like see it all come together from starting in a small tank in New yeah. York. I mean, that yeah. is phenomenal. I mean, um, we definitely want to, this place is, is on scale. We want to take, you know, sour, funky beers on scale to, to Ontario. Right. But I, I wouldn't say that, um, like, Ontario uh, contracting is is going to be a success story for everyone. Right. It's, um, you know, you are you are burning a lot of money, but you are uh, creating brand recognition there as well, yeah. which is really the value in contract brewing. Right. Um, I wouldn't look to there to start contract brewing as a way to make money to open a brewery. Um, right. It's, it's, a way, it's definitely a way to get some, like... Um, Get the ball rolling and people knowing knowing your brand. A few bucks in the door as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, but but if you can make money contract brewing, then you're doing very well. Right. Yeah, I, ha- I have heard it's uh, yeah. not exactly lucrative. No, no, the, the margins are razor thin, and um, you don't have all the controls that you would have if it was your own facility. Right. Because for a lot of your beers, you might have to change the equipment or the process, um, like you know, get rid of entire parts of your brewery um, right. in order to do beers you want properly. Uh, and a contract brewing, you know, they don't have the flexibility to do that right. always. Okay. So then uh, we were touching on this a little bit earlier. We talk about it on the podcast a lot. Like it seems to be a bit of a point of contention in Ontario as far as like some people love it, some people really detest it for some reason. But so overall though, you feel that for Bench it was the right move. Definitely, yeah. To, to get it to where it is. Do you think if you didn't do it, it would have made a difference? Um, yeah, I haven't really thought about it. Like we, we kind of, we knew where we wanted to be and... Um, you know, if if when things drop in your lap, like the you know, LCBO picking up up your your brand when you're you know uh, a couple months old, um, it's just it's hard. It's, like, it's, it's impossible to say no to that. Right. That's just that's just that's a great start to a business. Right. Um, so no, I think we made the right choices. Uh, I was happy with them. Um, it, I mean, it would have been nice to start from day one in our facility. Of course. Yeah. Um, but no, I think uh, yeah, I'll same again if I was to begin. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's that's a great idea. I was curious about that. Just to see what that someone who went through it and it worked for like yeah. would you do it again and it was good to see that you sort of balanced about it and you're not like oh yeah contract brewing is like everything but it it had its, its value and its time and place I guess yeah yeah I mean mm. it, it does at time feel like you're trying to puppeteer people into making beer the way you want you lose right. that, you lose that control right um, you know I think you've got to have that if you want your beer to taste the way you want uh, every process needs to be able to change to make that beer correctly hmm. Did you notice any growing pains between the move from Brunswick to the new facility? Like, was there was there any 
issues, not issues, but just, you know, challenges, dialing it in yeah. and just getting it all how you wanted it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we were lucky here. We got amazing water. It's kind of like uh, Denver water in terms of profile. Out here? Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. We were just there and like last month and it was blew our mind. Like yeah. the tap water was phenomenal, man. Like I couldn't believe how amazing it yeah. was. So, so we're lucky here. We're on like, you know, we're on great terroir. Um, right. And uh, yeah, but you know, with every new brewery, um, there's what you call gremlins. You'll chase out of the machine. You know, you'll have okay. some motor or tra- transistor somewhere will blow and you've got to go fix that because it wasn't, you know, it was, wasn't installed properly. So there's about, mm. there's a good like six months of chasing out the bugs in your system. Right. And then you have another six months of learning the, the idiosyncrasies of your equipment um, to get it where it is. But we're in our, we're in our 11th month here now. And, and I feel like uh, the beers are coming out the way I, I want them to now. Right, yeah. so now finally. Okay, so this is actually interesting because I never really thought, I haven't really got the chance to speak to anyone who very recently moved from a contract, a yeah. successful contracting uh, situation where you had uh, two or three products. Is that correct? Uh, Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, we Because uh, there was yeah, Lost yeah. there was the farmhouse. And then the... Uh, oh, Citra. Citra Grove, which I kept at, at Nickerbrook. Okay. Because there was nowhere else in Ontario that was willing to take on a Brettanomyces oh, uh, and lacto uh, sour, I drop sour beer. Right. Um, but, you know, luckily, you know, those guys are like family to me. And, uh, yeah, they was like, yeah, come do it here. Um, we'll take care of it. And even yeah. that's probably why I kept it. I feel like there was a huge demand for that beer. And it was there, like, there was. I had, even the whole time I tried it for the first time after we met. Yeah. And after we'd worked with you guys for like a year. So, like, because it was that hard to get. Yeah. I, I couldn't make enough of it. I had, I had a single tank and I was supplying the Ocebio. Yeah, um, that's so, good. Yeah. That keeps the demand, you know. <laughs> yeah, line up beers. Yeah, it's it's still my favorite beer. It's it's, uh, it's a cool beer when it's young. It's like hoppy and bright. And then I've had uh, what is it, two year old uh, Citra Groves that have like that funky earthiness behind them. And it just right. it really ages elegantly. Yeah, amazing. Um, so okay, so moving from, I want I'm curious as to what the process looks like from moving out of contracting once you've got your facility. So you open in. July, um, I want to say July. Yeah, our tap room opened in July. We first started brewing uh, winter last year. Yeah, last winter. So like late 2017. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, and it... Uh, like how did you transition? Like was it slow? Was it like and cut straight away? Or did you just have to do a few batches here and pop them into the LCBO uh, and start reducing the Brunswick? I was looking for the first opportunity I could to bring everything back home. Okay. Um, so the second that I knew I had enough inventory um, you know, in warehouse that I could mess up the first one or two batches here and right. still keep beer flowing out the door, um, that's when I cut it. Right. Um, and it, I think it was... Was it like a straight cut or was it a reduction, like a step-by-step process? It was, it was a pretty <clears throat> straight cut. I think we went a little heavy on brewing um, late 2017 mm-hmm. just so we'd have a bit of a holdover if something went wrong here. Uh, our first batches came pretty nicely, uh, fortunately. Um, we did dump some uh, quite a bit of beer as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a pump head fail here or something going wrong here or there. You figure out what the issue was, fixed it. But we, yeah, we definitely, um, we wanted to keep the same quality. We didn't want to have a quality drop of, um, you know, of a new facility being, you couldn't taste a new facility. Right. All those mistakes to, to be gone and the marketplace to still taste the same. That's sick. Okay. And that was, so only a couple of batches before you sort of felt like... A, a couple had been <laughs> a little low on the number. <laughs> it, it was a bit few more than a couple. I'm just it so was, curious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, honestly, it was, I think it was overall like... It might have been like ten or eleven batches. I mean, that's. I mean, um, when you think about the size of this place, yeah. though, like, like that would make complete sense. Like, because that's and that's quite the yeah, learning it's, curve, it's, right? It's, like, it's a five thousand liter system, so you yeah, know we do over five hundred batches, but and we did that because uh, you know I've, I've been chained to a, a ten heck or a thousand liter system where you're you're grinding out to try and keep volume. 
so here, because a lot of our our, our beer is uh, it's about going on fruit, going into into barrels, going into fooders and blending. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of spending our time on the brew house, we can brew two or three times a week on the brew house and then spend more time in the cellar. Right. Where, where to me, that's a lot of our beers are finished there. Um, it's the dry hopping, um, the the double and triple fermentations we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the various, various barrel treatments. I think that's what really makes uh, what makes our beers unique here. Right. That's sick. So on. Okay. So I guess we'll have some B roll, of course. But on to our right here is the clean side, as you call it, which is the the, the main product. So yeah. So that's just like saccharomyces only, kind of very traditional beers. We have a session IPA, a uh, a saison, and a a wheat beer. Okay. Uh, actually, we just also started doing a Belgian pale ale and a, an IPA that's just taproom only right now. Okay. We're just kind of trialing it out. Um, but that's all saccharomyces only kind of beers you'd be familiar with. On the other side, it's the full gamut of uh, lacto, pedio, bretanomyces, uh, diastatic saison strains, and then our cool ship, which right. we just let whatever blows in from the vineyards and orchards outside into it. So it's, yeah, it's a massive amount of, uh, we actually looked at the microscope, our first cool ship from last week. And there's a huge colony of these tiny yeasts that we don't recognize. So nice. uh, lots, of, lots of wild yeast out there, yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, we When we visited last time, you took us up there, and it was it's huge. It's so, like, like it's impressive. Like, I hadn't seen one that big before. And it's got the proper room with the... the yeah, the louvers, guess, yeah. The thing on the windows to yep. let it come through. And I guess now it's the temperature for it, right? I guess you yeah. couldn't do it over the summer. This is now the, the cold nights. Yeah. Where it's perfect. And you did your first batch finally last week. Yeah, for last week. So we got that uh, negative four to positive four is the temperature range we're looking for. Okay. Uh, it sat in the cool ship for, uh, what was it? it was, oh, you're already taking it out? Yeah, yeah. It, oh, it's, it's only a it's, quick thing. Eh? Yes, yeah, it sits in there for 14 hours. Oh, uh, wow. The first one. Cooled okay. a little bit faster than we wanted it to. Um, so we drained that into fooder. Mm-hmm. And it's sitting in there right now, um, growing up the, the culture. Cool. Um, we're going to do the second batch into the cool ship on uh into the food rather on monday mm-hmm. so we'll cool ship it drain into the fooder so it's all gravity feeds from the fooder the same batch you put it back in there again uh no we did a, a it, new it's batch. two batches to fill a fooder oh wow so it's, yeah. the food is a big yeah, we've got these beautiful uh nine and a half thousand liter fooders okay. from a winery down the road right uh the closure down who uh retired them when they were bought by uh, constellation brands and uh yeah so they're about 10 harvests they've been used for so the oak's really nice and softened up it's got that, um, and I, I was a big fan of the Closure Downs, uh, Pinot Noirs and Chardonnays, which is what the food has had. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's the home for a lot of our, uh, our cool ship beers. So it keeps that, that 20 Valley uh, thing in mind that not only are we harvesting uh, yeast in the 20 Valley, but we're putting into oak that's only lived in 20 Valley as well. Right. I love that. Hyperlocal. What is the beer that you're putting it through the cool ship? Is it sort of some sort of base beer that's yeah. fairly standard and then you then that's really what you do to it afterwards that transforms it? Yeah, so it can keep it fairly traditional um, with a 70% Pilsner, 30% raw wheat, which is your standard Lambic. Um, like base. Kind of mash, yeah, yeah. base. Um, and then we used it uh, all Canadian. Our raw wheat came from the McDonald family farm who we met on our uh, journey out from British Columbia, bringing our brew house out here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and our Pilsner malt that we had uh, Matt from Maker's Malt uh, create for us nice. um, so it was just those two malts and it created this beautiful wort that we uh, boiled for um, for three hours and used uh, 2014 uh, Hallertau Middlefur hops uh, into it so aged hops uh, so which lowers the bitterness but keeps a lot of the um, bacteria static properties that you want in a spontaneously fermented beer right so we tried to be as traditional as we could uh, and hopefully you know in years to come as our hop field comes to maturity um We'll start using our, our own hops 
in our uh, in our cool ship. Is there enough? of uh, uh, space for that like because I clearly it's so cool that you, I didn't know you guys had that and we came in July I think it was and yeah. it was all like blooming like, yeah. it looked gorgeous um, I, I wasn't sure if it was actually because it wouldn't be able to clearly like satisfy the need for hops for the yeah. whole brewery right it would just be for specialty yeah so um, I mean uh, our hop field you know if we made really hoppy beers with it we'd probably get a thousand hectoliters worth of beer so that's okay. what's that Hundred thousand? Hundred thousand. Hang on. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Add another three. A million. A thousand. <laughs> a thousand thousand. Isn't a one hectoliter a thousand liters? We want to add two zeros to this. This is, this is, is it two high. or three zeros? It's two zeros. So okay, hundred thousand liters. Okay. Yeah. Of uh, how oh, many liters in a heck? A hundred. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a thousand. Yeah. So yeah. hundred thousand. My bad. So um, math is not what is not math. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so we're like, we're about a ten thousand uh, heck a year brewery here. Okay. So ten percent of that we can make off our own estate hops. That's um, great. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a it's a good start. Yeah, that's it. And what are, what are you guys growing? Uh, so we're growing Willamette, uh, which is going to be more of our cool ship hops that will age. Okay. And then we have Cascades Tennel Chinook, nice. which... Um, Three cheese. Yeah, which we just actually did a riff on our Citra Grove, but it was a state grove. So it was the same base beer. Uh, literally, uh, we ferment it down and then uh, bifurcate 10 hex off mm-hmm. and then hop that with our own estate hops. Nice. It's just in tank right now. Should yeah. be next week. And it's, I'm really, really happy with the quality of the hops we've got here. The, the yields were low. We're on this hard red clay. It's going to take the hops a bit longer to establish that root system they right. want. But, um, you know, great lupulin powder, nice resins, nice. Uh, amazing aromas. So. so are you processing them all in-house or are you selling uh, them off? Yeah, there's some ho- hop processes around here. Uh, Hayho hops have helped us out uh, with the pelletizing. I've heard of them. Yeah. Yep. And then we, uh, we sent our, uh, for kilning, we sent up to, uh, to Tilsenberg, to the old uh, tobacco kilns. Okay. Dried it out there and then sent to Hayho to uh, Pelletize. Well, that's how that works, eh? So yeah. you actually have to send it to a full kiln. Like, you don't just like hang them or chuck them somewhere. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you can hang them to do them slower, but um, you want to reduce the, the, the moisture Water. down so yeah. it stores, it doesn't mold right. um, in storage. So, so that's uh, the quickest way is just yeah. zap it and then they go and pound. Yeah. That's sick. And that's something in future we might <clears throat> bring in-house, but uh, as a first-year plan to kind of be a brewery and a, a hot manufacturer. Probably a little much. A little much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's like, I guess it'd be a huge expense as well. I hear like the hop making stuff. We actually did a podcast with the guys from Yakima Chief. Hops. Yeah, yeah. And that was fascinating because I'd never spoken to hop farmers before and like to figure out how the hell they do this stuff. And like I, from my understanding, it's super complicated. Like it's they they it was just before harvest when we met them, so they were yeah. ready to be stressed. Yeah, and it just didn't <laughs> sound like a whole lot of fun. Like farming is uh, it's it's, it's I mean, no joke. No, it's it's a whole body knowledge. Like the same way that we know beer, you know, they know hops, or our fruit farmers around here know peaches and apricots, right? Yeah, and it's cool to get together with those kind of guys. And see their passion about what they do, yeah. And um, you know, and just just know you're in good hands. And when they when they're excited about a product, like you know, oh, you got to try these. Uh, the peaches mm-hmm. we used here for Peach Grove this year was yes. uh, Katharina peaches, which we went down to um, Cherry Lane, and they were just raving about these peaches, the aroma every year. They look forward to the cooler smell like Katharina peaches. Right. So that's what went into our Peach Grove this year. Oh, I can't wait to try that. Let's try it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited for it. I saw this uh, on social, and I was like, God damn, that looks ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous is that uh so this is essentially your grove series is the dry hop sour uh series of beers um and i guess when i was here last time you have different thank you sir like different hops as well so the citra grove and then you know i've seen eldorado i think you had simcoe like yeah a whole bunch and then of course a next level would be the fruited version yeah so i mean it's the grove series is kind of it's a bit of a geeky experiment um it's the same base off the um off the brew house so we can ferment it down and then bifurcate that into as many different tanks as we want. Oh, hell yeah. So normally we, we make 100 heck 
a tank of it and we'll split say 50 hex onto Citra, 50, uh, 40 hex onto Simcoe and maybe 10 hex onto Apricot and as a trial run. Right, okay. And then we can just kind of keep riffing on it. So it's the exact same base and we're just seeing in the hop series what the difference of a dry hop is and how that expresses. Right, through um, the, the yeah. same base. Yeah. So Citra's the is it? I want to say year round is probably not the right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is essentially uh, year round. It's been it's been reasonable year round. It's a seasonal, but uh, people can keep buying it or <laughs> year round kind of. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the the flagship there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have Simcoe Grove. Is it the regular uh, or that a that's just a random? That's just a, kind of an, an experiment we did that okay. was really successful. Um, I love Simcoe how they get that tropical and that dank pine together as well. It's a big personality hop. Right. Um, then we use some Australian Galaxy. Which was beautiful. That's on, I think it's on tap still. Nice. Um, great little hop there. Um, we use our estate grove as well. Um, we have done mosaic grove, Eldorado grove. Just really any really nice, beautiful hop. We can take it, do a dry hop with it, and just right. see how that expresses on a sour, funky base. And then for the um, the fruited ones, do you is there a specific hop that you would use? Like, is it citra or something, or is it just you would? Uh, cater the hop to the fruit no uh, it's always the exact same hop in the whirlpool and then with the fruit we don't do a dry hop on it at all it's not just fruit just fruit yeah nice. just just trying to express the fruit as honest as we can uh, so with the plum cherry apricot peach uh, we did this year nice. um, it was really it was really cool to um, you know to smell those those fruits ripening in our, uh, on our funk side we just yeah. lay them out let them ripen up to like almost being you know to that super ripe part um, mm-hmm. point and then we throw them in the tank. Just whole fruit, pits and in all. The, in the tank, not the food. I like just the... Yeah, we just did this deal this year. Um, next year, we'll try and do some fooder stuff and let it age longer. It's glorious, man. I love it. Let's get the photo. You know the drill because I haven't done this one yet. <laughs> you and I think last time we got, I made you do that nonsense, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, mate. It's going to happen some more. Anytime. All right. Ready? Legend. <laughs> so these are like this is just fantastic. Six point two, damn. Yeah, the the actually um the fruit tends to keep it like all the groves are six percent, right. and then you get a little variance there with the fruit here or there. Um, but generally, yeah, it doesn't actually make a big difference to the alcohol. Really? Um, yeah. But it's yeah. like it's so smooth for that. Like I, I was gonna say like four something like high four. Yeah. No, this um I always like to to play that game is like make a really dry beer, make it smell sweet. Yeah. But it's actually kind of dry, and then hide the alcohol. That's amazing. Yeah. So six point two, definitely would have thought of that. I love pe- peaches; just such a soft fruit, and it's mm-hmm. perfect for this type of beer. It's just, so this is incredibly smooth. Mm. Um, just drink really nicely, yeah. Yeah, right? this was um, this was bottled up in September. Okay, so these hold up pretty well. Yeah, like, yeah really nicely. Like, I love the way um, Britannomyces and and uh, and a house culture really hangs on to the aromatics. Right. Um, really yeah. nicely. Yeah. Is uh, um, is this a type of beer? Because I would assume that generally fruit. Or dry hop, fruited or dry hopped beers yep. would just drop, not quick, but sure. they get a bit of a shelf sure. life. Yeah, is I mean, that, and that's what's different about the dry sours <clears throat> on a funky base is it's not like an IPA that it's, it's dying from the day you put it into can. Yeah. Uh, the fruit 30 minutes old, it's dumping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, with the dry sours, as that hop character uh, starts to dissipate, that Brettanomyces is coming up and right. it's doing these cool, the strain we have is this really pineapple forward kind of uh, Brettanomyces strain. Right. So I find that, you know, the, the two-year bottle of um, Citra that one of our, our sales reps uh, brought into the brewery, it was it was glorious. Like, I, I, I really I really wouldn't have known that those hops were two years old. Right. Um, yeah, it's amazing how, I'm not sure if it's a yeast scavenging the oxygen out of the bottle um, or just the interplay of 
the Brettanomyces biotransforming the hopthiols into these cool um, compounds. But yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in that bottle. That's, that's sure. crazy. So is it like if it's maybe more specific to what you're doing, like these, you can speak these beers that they're going to last. Like clearly this is September. Like this doesn't really taste like fruit has dropped. No, no, this I, one? I don't taste it either. No. Yeah, right. It's, it's still really like, <clears throat> yeah, lively, like fuzzy peach. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally getting that. It's really strong. So I guess it would just depend on that there's so many elements, of course, like particularly the, the yeast strain as well that would determine whether the the dry hops going to sort of dissipate a bit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want every beer. Like, <clears throat> now, Oval was a big influencer for me. Um, O-R, that, not A-U. Uh, yeah, O-R-V, yeah, yeah. yeah, not the Quebec one, but yeah, the Belgian the, one, Belgian. yeah. So you drink it young and fresh, and it's just like hoppy, noble dry, noble hop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then six months in, it's this funky thing. And then nine months in, it's this like big funky thing. Right. And then four years on, it's a whole different creature again. Right. And it has this journey, like same as good wine, right? It's uh, yeah. It depends where you like it. Right. Um, and you might like it, um, the Grove beers, you know, on day one, get that big hit of Citra or Simcoe in the nose. Or maybe you like it nine months in and you like that, like, um, that pineapple kind of barnyardy earthiness to it, you know? Right. Um, or so anything between, yeah. Subjective. Yeah, totally. So there's no right or wrong with that type of thing. It's just, yeah, like, no. even as, as, the, as the, the brewmaster and you creating these things, like, do you have... Maybe a timeline in mind, or, yeah. or maybe I guess you probably no, got a preference t- yourself. Totally, yeah, yeah. I like, I like <clears throat> six to nine months is usually <clears throat> where our Brettanomyces uh, and most Brettanomyces, I think, gets into its into its best form okay. um, when it's showing its brightest fruits. But it's got this really nice, it's interesting earthiness that you kind of keep going back for again and again and again. Right. Something so interesting about Brettanomyces is such a complex and um, you know interplay between that and uh, and the beer. It's uh, yeah, definitely my favorite yeast. Right. I'm totally. Brett's amazing. So, do you have a do you have a like a favorite time frame for any of these specific specific ones? Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, I said the rooibos we did, which is a um, the tea. It's, right? a, it's a Brett saison on yeah rooibos tea and lemon zest. It's about four months old. <coughs> just getting into that nice Brett stage right now. Right. Um, and then our, our, you know our most of our um, fruit beers, you know, they're only a couple of months old right now because it's November now. And most of the fruits around here are June, July, August. Right. Um, yeah. So we haven't really seen the Brett kick in there, but uh, I can't wait for it to, to get funky okay. and fruity. Yeah. So you like to sit on them a bit. That's good to know because yeah. I always kind of like, I stress over IPAs if I've got like a dry hop or like a big IPA that yep. I like, I, I've got two weeks, Definitely, maybe yeah. four tops. I, I'm depending. the same way. I think like prime is two weeks on an IPA and then four weeks if it's been really nicely kept, if it's been like in the fridge, yeah, the fridge all the time. Nice there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find it depends on the brewery as well. Different breweries I've noticed that if I drink them regularly that some of their beers like will peak at different times. Sure, yeah. And people always argue with me about um, John, John Kimmich from The Alchemist. Yeah. Loves Hedy Topper at three months. I think it's no, no, no not at all. Like, I think <laughs> that's not what you want to do. But because people try to say, well, look, he says that and he didn't like, but that's what he likes to, sure. how he likes it. Sure. So I like that. I mean, I, and it definitely, I think with um, with the yeast strain we use uh, for our balls falls and our short hills, there is this point that like three weeks that I find really interesting, where the peach uh, from the yeast really pops up a bit. Right. And so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so when when it's young, like a day old, it's like a raw bag of hops. It's like really like if you open a bag like of a hops, bit much, just like yeah, you just stick your face in it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like that. But uh, but as that dissipates a bit, you get the yeast kind of picking up and doing this a peach thing similar, very kind of similar to this. It's kind of right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Peaches is like the. Do you have a favorite then? 
I know it's like favorite. Uh, uh, I got favorites. Yeah, I got favorites. Uh, yeah, yeah, but tell, tell yeah. me. Um, yeah, like the, say the hops or the fruit or whatever. Uh, the plum this year was was phenomenal. Um, the the golden plums just had a really great season. Nice. Um, it popped all this like malic acid at us, and then uh, yeah, it's um, we'll crack that one next because yeah, I really think that, that was definitely like um, you know we did fruit a few different ways this year because totally our pilot year just trying different things we kept all our fruit percentages at 30 percent okay or actually 35 uh, percent uh, compared to the finished beer we got out of it what, um, do, what does that mean so <clears throat> so uh 35 so 30 percent let's say we put um three thousand heck three thousand kilograms of peaches mm-hmm. onto seven thousand liters of beer gotcha but in terms of the finished beer you don't get all that back in beer you get like 80 heck you know eight thousand liters back in beer so, so the three thousand kilograms, whatever liters of the fruit, does produce yeah, it produces, additional it produces a little bit yellow because of the juice. juice out of there. Huh. Um, so it depends how you're measuring it. Cool. A lot of the lambic guys measure it on like uh, you know grams per finished liter. So that wow. would be thirty five percent, or yeah, it depends how you want to measure it. But hey, it's in that ballpark. Interesting. Um, we use that as a baseline, and I'm really happy with like the intensity of the fruits. Um, peach. I could probably put. I'm going forty percent next year. Yeah, I want, more, I, want more, I want more of that peach. <laughs> you never have too much peach. Yeah. Funnily, funnily enough, one of the um, when we first started coming down to Niagara would have been I don't know 2012 or something, 2011, and we went to Good Earth. Yeah. Up the road, and they used to have a, uh, a peach and apricot trees yep. where they planted the yeah. grapes and you might know where I'm going with this yeah. and we went there and we tried there it was a 2009 medium dry Riesling mm-hmm. and this is the most amazing wine of all time not really thinking that wines are finite and they have that year and it was our favourite wine I've still never had one that's beaten that because all of those uh, fruits came through whatever I don't know what happened to the soil but I guess it came through in the in the grapes um, it was devastating when they sold out. We went to go get it, and they did. And I even called the winery, and they're like, oh, "You drank it now, nah, man." I got like a cup of my cellar, but good luck. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, it was like that fruit specifically, like that specific yeah. wine had really like sold. Not that I need to be sold on peaches, but it just showed like the the what it can do in those two, like apricot and peaches together. Yeah. So this is why I was I was most excited for this one because of I'm just excited about peaches. Yeah, and that's that, that, that's something. This mentality that we're getting into here is we talked to a lot of winemakers. And you know the idea of of, of a of a beverage that reflects where it's made is something that's that's really at the core of us. Yeah. We want to reflect like the fruits that come in and the farmers who made them and the time of the year it was made and all those things. The same way that winemakers think about their wine. Yeah. On the funk side, we think about beers in the same way that we think about this came out in September. I remember the harvest. I remember the fruit coming in. Yeah. I remember what the fruit was like. And when we drink the beer, you know, it should remind us of that fruit and that time. Do you think? Is that is that something that even happens in beer? Um, some, I mean, somewhat. I mean, uh, I think if if you're if you're an IPA factory, probably not so much because you right. can get the hops year round and the and the malts year round. Consistency doesn't change. Yeah, but we get these uh, we got these fruits straight off the off the vine, delivered by the farmer to our loading dock, and we throw it straight into the tank. Right, it's like um, no messing around. Yeah. Do you therefore label the the years for? Is it like this is twenty eighteen? Peach Grove? This is, yeah. Um, oh, did it say 2018, huh? Uh, it, do- it doesn't, no. But, but, you should do that. 
No, I'm just curious because, yeah. like, I guess, like, a lot of... I mean, look, it's stamped on the bottle, I guess. Yeah, I we, mean, got, we got a bottling date on there, but, I mean, yeah, it, it is. It still shows you that it's from that it's, batch, right? Yeah, but it's completely a, a vintage thing. Um, I'm totally going to mark it down as that. So. The, the, uh, the farmers, you know, they have consistent fruit, and we go down there and, and walk through the orchard as much as we can in the summertime and, uh, and check how the fruit's doing. Okay. Um, so it should be a fairly consistent product year to year, but obviously, you know, it's, a, it's an agricultural product. Yeah. It's going to have variances, and there are some, I think, apricots are, like, biannual, that they have like a, a, a great year and then a low year and then a great year and a low right. year. So we're going to have to uh, learn about those and kind of stick and move with uh, with whatever the harvest is that year. Right. So therefore then, because you guys are here, maybe I'm just relating it to you stronger. Like there's so many beers that are year yeah. specific and they'll you know, mostly like the bigger stouts or stuff like yeah. that. Because you guys are in wine country and because you are approaching it like that, that would just seem to make sense. And hopefully that would maybe change the way people approach it. Like, because you're drawing in a different crowd out here, too. Yeah. So you, you're getting, I mean, when we were working on the account with Vanessa, we are trying to think, like, who's going to be coming through here. So it's not just the typical beer fans, because, you know, you're an hour and a half from Toronto. Yeah, yeah, we're, kind of, we're, out, <clears throat> we're out in wine country. Um, but I found, actually, a lot of the wine drinkers down here, they understand what we're doing, because uh, acidity is a component of everything we do. Right. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the term sour beer, but... People seem to understand that it means that it has an acidic com- uh, component to it. Hmm. Um, but wine, you know, wine drinkers definitely understand that if you explain that our beer is, you know, is in acidity somewhere between a, a white wine and a red wine, mm-hmm. they seem to understand that. Um, right. Whereas the term sour is not the most flattering, uh, no. you know, adjective for for beer. But what would you rather call it? I, I don't know. I think the jury's still out on that one. Okay. Um, if it's like I describe it as more as like tart beers, it doesn't roll off the tongue as much. But not as um, much, but tart is, is more accurate. Yeah, for sure. Because it's not, it's not puckmanly sour. It's no. just got an acidic element that's helping. Because <clears throat> to me, if you want to eat a, a peach or a plum or a cherry, it's, it's an acidic thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's that, that, that refreshing acidity that hits you. Um, and the same way that with our drop sours, uh, I love the way that the acidity plays with the hops, um, that you can turn you know, what's fruity into a tropical fruit because it has acidity now. And so it reminds you more of that kind of tropical pineapples and passion fruit and mango. Right. Yeah. I love it. Um, so you were mentioning before you actually go to the farms and you're like, to, uh, like you're actually picking the like the fruits. You're like you're trying things. Like, yeah. It, it, that, that's a whole part of the brewery. So is that sort of was that part of the inspiration, the reason for doing it down here, so that you could have access to things? You know, people breweries in cities don't. You can't just go down the road to a definitely yeah peach yeah. farm or whatever. No, because literally, whenever <clears throat> you know uh, I or, or some people my team have time, we walk through our hop yard and we're at the Hipple family farm. Okay, um, I think it's one kilometer away. Okay, uh, from us, and you know he's just said yeah, free access. Go walk through a check on the fruit. Uh, or sometimes if he's got time, he'll take us through in his little you know jalopy with the top cut off it uh, through the orchard and show us what's really doing well um, that awesome. year. Uh, so yeah, having a connection and definitely being able to pick the best fruit and knowing the fruit and having the farmer's you know, notes on the fruit that year is, right. is, a, is a huge help in getting the best fruit we can into our beers, yeah. Right. So beyond even just fruit, um, is that approach taken with every element of the beer, like locally? Like can you sort of, I guess you mentioned with the, the barrels from, yep. the, well, I'm sorry, the fooders. Yeah, well. barrels, barrels and Barrels too, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. everything is like specifically hand-picked with at least a potential outcome in mind yeah yeah, yeah. I, w- I want to know all my ingredients as much as I can um, you know and and when you get a, you know a bag of malt sent in from across the world or a box of hops sent in from across the world you know you have you know you have great vendors who, who, who do the who do the best they can for you 
to give you great ingredients. But it's that, once again, it's that subtle touch of like, you know, uh, changing parameters for what you want. Right. Right. And, uh, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm not looking for, you know, what they think is, is, is great. You know, uh, like Simcoe, I love those big tropical notes, but maybe something more, more of a, a different note in there. Hmm. Um, that's why I like to have a hop field as well. I'd right. love to scale that up. <clears throat> that we have control over our hops there. Um, we're not the best at growing barley and wheat down in Southern Ontario. Right. But once again, that's the next step is getting, getting that contact with our, our wheat grower in, uh, in Manitoba and, um, and Maker's Malt out in Saskatchewan. Um, and, you know, once again, that, that passion they have for their craft, um, yeah, we love that too. Right, so it's keeping it as local as possible at all times. 100%. There is no malt option here then. Like, nah, like the, literally. The, like. There's some small ones. <clears throat> there's, uh, there's Barn Owl Malt up, oh, in, uh, of course. up in Belleville. Like, yeah, 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 doing great things. Um, yeah, and Where do they get their malt from? Do they grow it? Uh, I've still got to investigate that. I haven't had a chance to kind of... In the first year, I've, I've been focusing on fruit and, and our estate hops in barrels. Uh, but definitely the next stage is... Um, See where we can... Yeah, is, is malt. Right. Yeah. So that's the only one. So everything, pretty much everything else is completely local from every other element. Yeah. Like fruits, hops yeah. as well. So the hops are all like the hey-ho ones. Aside from your own ones, where else uh, can you get No, the rest from? of our hops uh, do come from Yakima Valley. Um, if you want to do IPAs, that's, where the, choice, right? that's where the Citrus, yeah. Simcoe, Mosaic, uh, Amarillo all grow. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then, you know, uh, I would love to do more hops out here. And, you know, as our hop yard matures and hopes it gets better yields and we know those hops, I would love to do more of that. Um, you got the here. space for it? Uh, we've got three acres right now. Um, of hops? Of hops here. Oh, damn. So hopefully we'll be able to turn out... Um, um, hopefully we'll be able to turn out uh, about a thousand pounds per acre so 3,000 uh, pounds on that on that acreage which, is that sizable? yeah that should uh, get us about 3,000 hex a year of, okay. uh, of a state hops yeah that's not oh, sorry, bad a state hop beer yeah. a state hop beer okay and that's going to be like the, the, the series for now at least what you're going to run with that yeah are you going to do do you have any other plans for yeah specific beers or yeah I mean I think uh, you know dry up sours with our state hops um, something in like a, 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 a state hop saison it's got like a funky farmhouse kind of culture to it. Nice. Um, and then we're going to age some for our cool ship projects so that our cool ships... Age the hops? Yeah. Nice. So, so uh, cool ships need aged <clears> hops. <throat> if you to throw in like, you know, your really raw uh, hops into the cool ship, that alpha acid would inhibit the souring and would inhibit a lot of the bacteria you want to uh, let thrive. Right. Which is why we use a lot of hops in IPAs, stop from souring, stop from those things. Um, but as you age them, it minimizes the bitterness it still has some, you know, the tannic structure and a lot of the other qualities we're looking for in a, in a Lambic-style beer. Right. What does aging hops look like? Like, what's... Uh, you basically about? just grab the whole leaf hops, you dry them out, throw them in a burlap sack, stick them in a barn for two to four years. Oh, wow. This and they get kind of... Yeah, they yeah. get kind of cheesy and kind of mushroomy and, like, Weird. some very earthy flavors that actually carry through uh, into the finished beer. Is that because the yeast will need to... Like, we'll eat away those cheesy flavors. Like, I would not drink a Lambic and be like, this tastes like cheese. Yeah, I mean, no, no. Necessarily. So in, in Lambic, I get, like, a little bit of mushroom. You can get some, like, you can get some kind of blue cheesy notes in there sometimes. Really, eh? Like, some dark, some really, like, earthy funk. Especially the Jester King one, I found had some, like, really, uh, some really funk-forward hopping in there thing. Right. Uh, it was kind of Was cool. it a specific beer or just them in general? Um, I think I think they aged their, their hops in a in a stable above their, in a burlap sack in a horse stable. Same thing. Uh, yeah, I know they're on a like, farm out yeah, in Austin. Like, yeah, in like Texas heat. Yeah, Austin, yeah. Um, but basically it's a degradation of the, <clears throat> the hop oils in there. As those degrade, they go less from 
um, you know, the bright uh, fruity stuff into like more of the just kind of stinky cheeses and earthy mushrooms. It does sound horrible. Yeah, it does, but it tastes great. <laughs> That's so cool. I never really thought of it. So I guess maybe I'm thinking of like fruited lambics or whatever then because the fruit would therefore mask probably a lot of it it's maybe like the actual goods or whatever that yeah. I mean it's, it's all part of that kind of funk spectrum right like right. when you think about Britannomyces it can do some some pretty cool things with some pretty bad descriptors like we think of like <laughs> like you know like sweaty like, horse yeah and like, like socks and like leather yeah and yeah like, like I don't go for the gyms the gym bag stuff so much <laughs> but if you like if you get like a whole barnyard kind of smelling thing mm-hmm. you know like, like that earthy wood and hay and 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 animal sweat that uh <laughs> look it's it, it's evocative man it's it um, is it actually know. uh i can i can picture it yeah yeah it's it's a whole other world yeah so layering in some you know some some kind of mushroomy blue cheesy hops in there uh can be kind of can be kind of cool too okay just get a little bit of a wash out here blue cheese eh yeah, I've had that in a, in a few, like in a few hops. Uh, this carried through into the beer, and it's not in like an unpleasantly blue cheese. It's just like this, it's like a little background thing. Semi, you know, yeah, you yeah, have, we have a burger. It's got a bit of blue cheese on it. Yeah, yeah. It's just this nice little kind of like earthy thing. In the thing. background, yeah, it yeah, kind of yeah. goes with the beef and makes the beef a bit more like more of a dry age kind of flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't really think because when you think about aging something, hops is not the. The, the, the product you would consider aging and it's chucking it. It seems almost like not uh, quality control effective enough yeah, I mean, by putting it in a sack. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of Lambic spontaneous fermentation brewing was <laughs> was doing the opposite of what you'd be taught to do as a brewer these days, right? Right. You're, you're looking to extract tannins in your in your brew house by using mm. really scaldingly hot water that makes like astringent and tannic and then you're aging your hops to give this cheesy, funky note and then you're letting it sour and letting it get funky, which right. you know, technically it's like going off. Yeah, it's basically it's going off. But if you wait long enough, it goes off in a beautiful way. Right. Um, and then yeah, it's about blending. It's like getting taking those notes, and if one's say a little bit, um, bit of a city character, a bit mm-hmm. vinegary, you can use that to layer in some deeper um, acidity into your beer and give it more of a uh, complex acid profile. Right. So really, in this kind of brewing, you think about it more as a winemaker. As like you have tannic structure from both your malts um, and your hops, and you have acidity as a component, and oak as a component, and then fermentation. Uh, you know the broad fermentation profile with this acid content. It, it's yeah, they're really beautiful beers. And a lot of the winemakers in this area are doing these really complex, beautiful wild fermentation beers. Um, their favorite beer, sorry, wines. Their favorite beers are lambic beers because they because understand them in, right. in, in their discipline. Yeah, right. So I guess that. So you said going off in a beautiful way. That's a really cool episode name. <laughs> I gotta write that down. Um, is that? Do you think that like the, the familiarity um, in a beautiful way? The familiarity from the uh, the the wine, I guess the wineries and stuff. Thanks, sir. Um, with the profiles that you're doing do you think that sort of attributes to any of the 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 interest or the success in the area because like when we were working with vanessa we were like all right who's going to come through what's well, not the typical like neck beard dudes all the time sure, I mean, yeah. i'm sure you get them too because sure. we all travel for beer <laughs> but you're going to get the the people who are doing wine tours who aren't necessarily uh looking for beer but then sometimes they might just want to break from 14 percent wines and just have a nice crushable five percent beer and like all right now i'm good to go that's so it. like are you, I guess, all of that sort of all plays in together? Because if you just did crazy you know, milkshake IPAs and then double out, you know, whatever, yeah, double, double dry up IPAs, like, yeah, wouldn't I mean, translate. Uh, uh, yeah, we're making the beers we want to make here, and I think we're finding people who uh, who understand that. Um, 
you know, that it's not, it's not about being bombastic with, you know, uh, how many pounds uh, per barrel hops you're putting in, or I mean, now people doing into, into a fruit race now, like how many, how many pounds per barrel of fruit are you putting in, into the, in the ridiculous way that you're basically drinking a fermented jumbo juice, you know, at that point in time. Um, I, I like, I like nuance and balance to a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Um, always food friendly and always sessionable is, right. is kind of my goal here. When you mean the juice, are, are you referring to just like like the, just the crazy stuff? Like, do you like the crazy stuff? Or like, like I mean, I, yeah, I have it, but um, you just don't want to make it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 being made, but really, I want to make the beers that I I want to sit down and, and, and drink for a long time, right? Uh, or just the beers that I can't get here that I have to make just to get because you can't right? get other stuff. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and and IPAs. There's a lot of great IPAs made around here. A lot of great barrel aged, fourteen percent alcohol imperial stouts. Um, I guess you've been there, done that with yeah, no yeah, too, right? Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, and that was fun, and I was really into <laughs> barrel aged stouts That's and throwing right. vanilla beans and chocolate and stuff like that. That was fun, um, but I mean, man, I was getting old, and I just want to drink a little <laughs> a little four percent, uh, you know, farmhouse ale now. Right. So it's sort of like your brewing has matured. I don't want to say matured like it's immature to like something else, but like changed and grown with you as an individual. Yeah. I mean, I I, I kind of I felt there's a time that right now that Ontario doesn't have this um, and I want to make it. So it's, it's just... Kind of works well. It's, it's, it works well, yeah. Same as I got right. the brewing in the first place. It just, you know, it worked out well that um, the brewing shoe was on, on the rise and had the same kind of skill sets I'm looking for. And um, yeah, I found fulfilling, so... I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. I guess that's kind of what it is. If the, if the beers you're making are an extension of you, in a, you know, who you are and what you like to drink, I find that that ends up making for a better beer and a better product because if you were forced to make milkshake IPAs I love them um, sure are you team lactose uh, uh, I mean I, I, I drank them I like them you don't have to be I'm not um, but no but once again like I, I my preference is for like uh, dry funky and bright kind of beers right right I give it that realm Sure, I'll go to a festival and have you know some milkshake IPAs, bourbon barrel aged stouts. It's uh, a bit of fun. They can get yeah, they can get. You're not great. against it, but you just don't really want to. Sure, yeah. I mean, they, they're out there enough. True, um, you just don't I, need I, to contribute to that. No, not not when there's this whole spectrum that, of beer that I love that's not being uh, not being made. Hmm. I like that. That makes sense. Let's get a stupid photo. Yeah, yeah. The drill. I like this. is phenomenal, by the way. Thanks. Six point two again. Love yeah. it. So super. This one's a little more opaque than the. Um, uh, then the peach. Yeah, yeah. So um, same thing. Thirty uh, percent um, plums, mm-hmm. um, whole pits in this one, Oof. and uh, we did twenty six days on fruit um, with a finished beer. Twenty six. Uh, yep. That reef mint. So I think the finishing gravity is like pretty dry. It's at one plato. Okay. Or ten grams per liter. Um, yeah, and it's just you know continued cooling in the bottle as well. This one sold it really quickly, so I uh, I found that one in our one, our one in our library. Oh, I love it. Yeah, this is this one is closer to puckering. Yeah, not not quite like the, I would probably I would refer to this more as a sour than say the peach. Yeah, yeah. So interesting enough is like the exact same beer went onto both fruits, right? Exact same batch of beer. Oh right, exactly. and then okay. yeah, and then it was just the the acid content of the the plums we had had Came a lot of malic them. acid in the skins, which pumped up the uh, the acidity. Right, and it gives the yellow plums. I assume. Yeah, 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 yellow plums. Yeah. If you use the uh, different, like the red ones, or whatever, it was, would it yeah. change the color? Yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So I didn't get a chance to uh, to do uh, Italian or or, um, or purple plums this year, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, next year I got more tanks available. We've got some in um, this week, uh, last weekend. So next year I can handle more fruit varieties once because all all the fruits come out really in in August. 
That's so, the main time. If you yeah. don't grab them, then yeah. So you, uh, I think we mentioned. That, I can't remember if we mentioned it on the podcast or not. So you don't use your septic. Uh, for it is always going to be local and yeah it's always just whatever comes off the tree and we throw it straight in the tank we give it a wash to knock off any kind of um, pesticide or spray that would inhibit the yeast from re-fermenting because I want a re-fermentation on the fruit I want to get dry again because in the first day it makes kind of a sweet beer when you throw 3,000 kilograms of cherries onto it it's it's a pretty sweet cherry beer right so it ferments out and then you really get the flavor off the skins leaving that long contact time of like 3 to 4 weeks Mm -hmm. on the fruit that's, that's when, how long that sits. Yeah. Wow. That's when the fruit starts, like the fruit uh, aroma. Because if you were to, say, ferment a, a beer on a, on a sweet cherry, mm-hmm. you ferment all that sugar away and there's nothing left. There's right. no real cherry flavor. The same as uh, maple syrup. In a maple syrup, you're left with this kind of vaguely like vinous, uh, smoky wood resin kind of flavor. All right. that, what we know as being maple syrup on your pancakes, that's gone. But, right. Yeah. So you're left with what remains. And um, really, it's the skin. It's the what the winemaker is called phenolic development, mm-hmm. which is the flavor of the, the, the grape or the, or the fruit. It's actually the skin and how that ripens up. So we want it to get really ripe until it's almost falling apart and then it goes in. The fruit itself, you yeah. wait right before that. Okay, because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, for white wine, they don't age it on the skins, but if they if they keep it, if they keep the skin on, it becomes like the orange wine, is that right? Yeah, yeah. so some natural winemakers have long cracked on the skin which increases your tannic extraction um, and a lot of your phenolic development as well, your aroma development. Will come from those skins. Yeah. So essentially you're operating more like a red wine where you would would age on the skin. Yeah, we age everything on the okay. skins. And and I'm really, like, if you understand um, ice wines as well, yeah. they're super late. So it's a, if Hard you smell it, it's like really aromatic, right? It's just the, the, the fruit or yeah, the, okay. the wine. The wine itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Because yeah. they've been living as long as possible. So they're like really overripe uh, fruit. And that's where you get your fruit aroma from. Hmm. So we tend to um, throw fruit in that, you know, uh, if you would go to the market stall, like even the, the, far- the farmer's market yeah, yeah. here, um, I would leave that fruit in like five or six days after that, putting it into beer. Right. So five, okay. That's pretty sweet. And I guess you can therefore, you don't need fresh fruit. You need the ones that didn't maybe sell. Yeah, yeah, and that's great for the farmers. Because the as well. I was going to say, it's yeah. like a waste. Yeah, we don't, we, don't, we don't need pretty fruit. We yeah, right? need tasty fruit. Um, and yeah, if it's uh, if it's if it's blemished in some way, that doesn't affect the flavor of the beer, and it makes it's a it's a great thing for the farmer as well. They have a lot more efficiencies there. Um, they're, not, they're not throwing it out; they're actually making money for the exactly. Yeah, people throw out far too much good food, good food. Yeah. yeah, I hear it's a yeah. huge problem. So then, therefore, something like something like you guys out here in an area where I don't know how many wineries would be sort of putting fruit. There's a few of them that have had peach wine and stuff like that, but it's, yeah. it's few and far between. I would. From my experience, yeah. you would probably yeah. know more. Not, not a lot, no. Not a lot of... Um, winemakers have a fairly, um, you know, narrow um, yeah, band of what, what is, yeah. except what's accepted as being, um, you know, Ontario wine. Yeah, um, I hate the VQA, good and bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely has huge benefits for the wine industry, keeping, keeping the quality up, but they don't have the latitude of play uh, that we get and I yeah. think that's why a lot of winemakers love to come down here and see what we're doing yeah because they get to vicariously <laughs> live through you guys right through experiments yeah <laughs> do you guys do you know the guys from uh, Rosewood oh yeah of course you're right yeah, yeah. right yeah. Le- honestly Ledge I love those guys because yes, we interviewed the only winery we've interviewed on the podcast and it's because they operate like brewers yeah so many of their wines they were saying that they're like they don't care they're like well we're doing it this way just because VQA says like we're not I don't care we're doing it and it's the only time I've ever seen a wine like experimental wine, like a hazy Pinot or like, yeah. I think they had like a, I, think, I don't know if it was a Chardonnay or Sauv Blanc that like they had in three different things, like in wood and you're never supposed to do it in wood. Which one was that? I keep forgetting which one it was. 
Uh, I haven't had one lately, but he's doing like stuff in cool stuff in like cognac barrels and rum barrels. Yeah, and they got the uh, af, what starts with a, the Italian. Oh, the amphoras. Amphoras. Yeah. yeah. And so and he's doing a lot of, doing mead in there as yeah. well. He's doing some cool stuff. Yeah, he's, killing, uh, man. he's pushing the boundaries. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely a, a brewer's wine maker. Yeah, totally. And every time I see him, he's got the Stone City hat on. <laughs> he loves it. But yeah, that, that, that was that opened my eyes to yeah. that because we and Tiff's really more of a wine person, and I lo- we love coming down here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's extra cool now because you know you guys and the, the beer is fantastic. So I was like, yeah, because you do need that break. I'm always driving, so yeah. I've got to be responsible. But I can't really have much wine, yeah. but I can have a few beers and still be good to yeah. go. So I. I like that break i like that you guys are taking the cool things it's like you're this in-between type of thing like you're taking a lot of the things that the wineries do and then being able to sort of a bit of that world a bit of the beer world and you've become this own kind of like i haven't seen you're right i haven't seen much like this so it's just a really interesting middle ground that lots of people can enjoy you know particularly if you're a wine person whatever it's just I love it, man. It's really, really good. Yeah, we're kind of just feeling it out, making up as we go along. Uh, you know, whatever, way to go. What, what feels right to us is yeah. is how we go with it, and uh, and it's good to see. You know, um, you know the brews influenced us, like Hill Farmstead and and Lost Abbey and Russian River and Jester King. Yeah, that know, I mean, they yeah, uh, I was gonna yeah, ask. Yeah, 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 and uh, Suarez family. I won't leave my. I keep hearing about that. There's a lot of great brewers who who it's it's cool when we're doing things here. And we look at them like, oh, they're doing the exact same. Okay, cool. We're on to something that's... that's right. Uh, that's like you didn't a, copy them, but you realize... You no, it's an independent, independent origin kind of idea. Um, yeah, whoever a similar idea about, you know, uh, where does... And very often I ask, you know, where does wine and beer meet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do some stuff on uh, Viognier and Gewürztraminer. We've got some Riesling and Pinot Noir beers that we're aging on, on skins. I've got one on Cab Franc right now. Nice. Um, so yeah, once again, you're know, just layering in that acidity and tannic structure from the grapes and the fruitiness, and then the beer do do its thing. It can um, yeah. this whole new product. Yeah, I don't know what to call it yet, but um, some would call it vin ales or hybrid ales. But um, right, it's uh, it's interesting. Is it the, the closest thing I can think of, at least in Ontario, is the Burdock do a bunch of wine? Yeah, Burdock doing great things. They're yeah. doing similar Yeah, they do, well, they, do, they do a bunch of... I don't of, know uh, much what they're doing, but I know it's wine. They're really pushing the wine angle. Oh, they're doing great things, yeah. Oh. And they're, they're working a lot with uh, Pearl Morissette, who's doing some amazing natural wines as well, uh, locally. Uh, great winemaker. And uh, yeah, and Burdock are likewise doing these great uh, beers aged on either skins or barrels. Right. Um, yeah, they're starting to, like, there's a handful of us around doing this kind of cool stuff and... Uh, but not, not, not. Do you think it's going to grow? Do you think that's going to become a bit more of a thing? Uh, I hope. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, uh, I definitely after I have a few IPAs, I want a few sours, right? And then I want a few IPAs again. Yeah. Um, I find the same thing. You want to balance. You can't have too many of yeah. anything. You're gonna like go on that ride. Yeah, and the acidity from a, a sour beer really, if you have an IPA afterward, it makes it absolutely pop. Hmm, um, good point. Yeah. Yeah, like if you're moving between them, I usually find like I'll have a couple IPAs to start, then I know I'm like, oh, I need a sour, something a bit sweeter. And then I either want a stout if I'm finishing. Yeah. Depends because uh, I'm a bit of a lightweight, so probably like <laughs> three or four beers, but then if I'm going to keep going, yeah, you would. That's a good point. Yeah. No, no, definitely. If, you, if you're drinking sours all day, go have your favorite IPA and it'll be the best version you had in a while. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. Um, no, that's fantastic. So I like that that's your inspiration. I was just curious where that sort of would have, if, if you had other breweries that you were looking to uh, do you get to travel all that and, and see uh, the, the not, spots? I mean, I, I love to travel for beer. I think it's a great, it's a, it's a thing you need to do to keep developing. Um, first year startup, you don't get to travel much. No. Um, but, you know, uh, looking to head back down to, to the States and to Belgium. Uh, Belgium's kind of, you know, 
as a lot of these kind of sour beer brewers is the spiritual homeland of, of course of what we do yeah. um, and we, we went there before uh, opening this brewery and looked at their processes uh, you know talked to a lot of those um, Lambic brewers and uh, and just kind of you know uh, riffed off what we're doing here and they gave us a lot of you know a lot of courage that yes you're on the right track that's right. exactly if if they were doing what they do in Canada, mm-hmm. putting in the middle of a, a wine region in a fruit belt, um, yeah, aging in fooders, you know, get a big brew house if to brew too often, go into your cool ship, blend, look for seasonal fruits, all those yeah. kind of things, yeah. Sick. That's, that must be like, that would have been like, all right, cool. Like, that would have been really cool to hear that from those guys. Definitely, yeah. 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 I love that. So the cool ship stuff... Is there anything else, like, where do you see that going? Like, is that sort of going to become something major? Because there's, there's not many people in Ontario that has it. I know Bellwoods has one. Yeah. Um, there's, um, I can't even think. There's, there's Block 3 has one. Oh, yeah, of course. It's in... um, I think India House have one as well. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and they kind of loaned that around to a few people. I think um, right. Merritt did a cool shit beer with them recently as well. Because um, theirs is more mobile than ours is. Right, yeah, it was kind of like, yeah. hey, I don't know how you're getting out there without a crane. No, that's it. It's, it's craned <laughs> in and... Hopefully, another, another crown again. I'll right, have to say it. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know, True to Diab are doing one in um, in Quebec yeah, here, and because uh, oh, that just got legalized. Yeah, yeah, just just recently. So yeah. crazy. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, they all just like yeah. I know Pit Caribou, the dude Francis who owns Pit Caribou. Oh, yeah. He started yeah. a nano brewery in yep. uh, Gaspésie. Yep. That is just wild stuff, like small batch. That's cool. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So he's gone crazy at it because they're already doing yeah. funky, great stuff. Yeah. But there's there's not. I feel like it's like a one of the potentially an upcoming trend, or at least yeah. I mean, and, and for those who have access to, it. and that's the uh, there's a lot of like cool stuff happening in Ontario, where it's a, a, a brewer's pet project. There are a few barrels of really cool stuff here. They'll bring along yeah. to a, a beer festival, and a and a couple of guys will get to try it. Um, but really, you know, I want to do that, but but put it out to to more people, uh, and that's why I love this this region here. Is we get to engage with you know wine drinkers and explain to them, okay, here's a a spontaneous amount of beer or a, or a sour beer Asian fooders mm-hmm. and, and can, they understand like, oh cool I understand what sour beer is now right. and, you know uh, the moniker is not really too flattering but they understand that it's okay there's, there's an element of acidity there's a tannic structure to it they get it then. they can relate it to maybe the wine they like That's so it, it, seems, yeah. it seems to me that uh, I hear a lot people who aren't beer drinkers yep. they like sour beer or yep. they'll like um, like New England IPAs sure. that are yep. like super fruity yeah. and creamy or whatever not too fancy people don't like the bitterness a lot yeah. um, or they'll like the, the sours yeah yeah. we don't go too high on the bitterness here either I like uh, I like the bitterness fairly round and soft um, and once again I always approach you know uh, any beer as being like what would this pair with in a food thing right um, so that's yeah. how you approach everything yeah more or less you know um, yeah, I don't have a beer with with most uh, most meals, and um, as as you should do. Yeah, and so, uh, so it's I, very I, important. I definitely think about that. You know, think about how how it pairs with food, and um, and also also how it sessions as well. That right. if you want to sit down and, and have two or three of these, um, I don't want to fatigue the fatigue your palate out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to push you too far in one direction. We need relief from it. Um, so yeah, always balanced and and, and nuanced, uh, not bombastic. Um, yeah, and, and sellable. You know, you should be able to right. hang on to that beer for six months or a year and it still tastes great. That's sick. So speaking of the food, you guys have a kitchen here as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We've got a kitchen here with uh, Eric Peacock. Nice. Yeah. He's, uh... he's, a, he's a great chef. Uh, he has a, another couple of restaurants. Uh, one's Wellington Court down in St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just amazing food. Uh, his taco game is really on point. <laughs> really strong. <laughs> uh, so I made a, I made a little um, 
barrel fermented saison on lime zest just so I could pair it with these tacos. Nice. Because it goes really well together. Because um, the Brettanomyces uh, profit we have has this nice lime zest at a certain point. Mm -hmm. So using it in young oak, we got this nice like uh, bright fruitiness off the oak. And um, yeah, it makes this like little, was it 5.6% alcohol, kind of uh, funky tart um, saison, which is, I guess you call it the, the Belgian equivalent, like a Corona <laughs> with a lime <laughs> in it. You know, it's uh, nice. Yeah, it just it just ticked all the boxes for for like a taco beer. That's so, is that out? Uh, no, it's it's, it's sitting in sitting in. Sitting in uh, I blended it up a few weeks ago. I've got it in keg right now, waiting for Tapline to open up. Um, but it's quietly getting funkier as well, and, so uh, and pushing a, that. Not a rush. No, not a rush. No, no none of my beers are ever a rush. No, I love that slow beer. Yeah, as they call it. Um, these, sorry, the kitchen is the food. Uh, created around the beer or vice versa? Uh, yeah. Or they all just pair with something? Um, I mean, like, yeah. Uh, my beer is super uh, food friendly and his food is super beer friendly. So it can work with whatever. It can't, yeah. It, and it's kind of cool. Like, you know, we've, we've been operating since July. Um, so we tend to bring each other ingredients. Like, you'll bring me some like, amazing, like, salami from Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll bring him in some beers I'm working on and... We just kind of use that as like, you know, we know what, I, I use food every day. Um, I think he drinks my beer every day too. So yeah. we, kind of, we kind of know each other's products. Right. So it's so just, can, yeah, it's just this nice like knowledge of it. And yeah, he, he's a great chef. I didn't tell him what to make at all. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess you could come up with ideas together for both sides. Of the totally, yeah. Right? Oh, we do, we do, we've had one beer tasting dinner so far. Mm -hmm. Sat down and it was actually really easy to hash that out. It was just right. like, that, so right, right, that, 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 done. So he just comes up with a menu and you can just be like, all right, that'll go with that. Yeah. Because you've got a breadth of beers now. Yeah, yeah. The more we build our, our beer portfolio, the more we can expand into things. Uh, and he's about local food as well. Right. And somewhere about local beer. So um, everything is hyper-local again. And, yeah. Uh, and matches. Yeah. I guess it's a good time because it almost feels like, maybe it's because I've known you, like at least the company and stuff for so yeah. long. It just feels like all of a sudden they went from like the three cans to like to this. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say like, the, I'd say I the, guess it hasn't. You've been here yeah. for eleven months, you said. So I mean, yeah, but the leash kind of came off. I'd say like what probably in in June. Oh, um, really? Like that? Yeah, because because the startup we had to like okay, we're out of our contract brewing space. We're into here. We've got to keep supply running. Right. If if glycol goes down or a tank falls over, then we're sunk. Right. So the first half of the year was definitely watching. Our, you know, our, our rent beers, uh, make sure they went out there, make sure everyone, it, it tasted the same they had always tasted. People were getting them fresh. There were no hiccups in um, in the over. Rent beers, and, I like that. Yeah, that. well, that's what it is, man. Let's, let's pay the bills. <laughs> and, then, and then here we get to play and experiment and push the envelope and take risks um, in these kind of beers. Right. So once that was hap that happened, and then uh, our head brewer, Sarah, um, you know, she took the reins and, um, and you could move off. And yeah, like, yeah. Right. and led the team, and uh, yeah, and I had confidence to to move on to the on the funk side, right? Uh, with more hours of my day, and just check in to see that the tanks are doing well, do tastings with her, and uh, yeah, so it's been great. So I've had a lot of uh, a lot of time to go play with barrels and recipes and just yeah. think about things. That's really cool because it just feels like you pumped them out of nowhere, but I guess. It doesn't take that that long. Yeah, come up with that. You were doing it in the middle of summer where you had peak fruit availability. Yeah, so I mean, you were like bam. The, the gears were turning the whole, you know, between course, you start like, up and yeah, and, yeah. and then so but, just um, like executing. Yeah, and it was the right time. Yeah, just once I got the time in my hands to do it. Yeah, I think we 
We went down a lot of beers pretty quickly, yeah. I love it, man. And you got like a trillion fooders too. I remember walking through like 16. 14. 14, yeah. 14 damn. Yeah. I was, it was so impressive. I just didn't. And then you had like 100, like when, whenever we came in July, you had like 100 and something odd barrels. Yeah, up to 220 now. Wow. Yeah. See, like that's just like, like flying. That's really cool. And I think that's not the usual story. No, no, we knew what we wanted to do and we lent into it as fast as we could. Yeah. Um, it was just like, all right, cool. Because you you had this warm up for three years. It felt like it was like a long time coming. <laughs> well, it did feel like that, yeah. Because <laughs> we were dealing with the social and people were just every day. Yeah. Even though it said on the top of the banner, sure. like when it was opening, people were like, you open it? You open it? Until yeah. Um, so I guess it was sort of uh, you were able to, like you said, pull the trigger really quickly because you knew what was what, what you guys wanted to do and you had the other stuff down and it was kind of you were able to plan it all and just execute as soon as the the time freed up really yeah yes i mean things in construction never go as fast as you want them to go construction is so, the worst day so that gives yeah. you that yeah, gives you a lot of time to, to think about things and, yeah. and rethink them and ponder over them so by the time we you know we had time and tank space to do these things uh, yeah straight to it yeah the recipes were already done did um, you have stuff in the fooders before like a while ago like oh uh first one i think went in there in april okay uh, so it wasn't even that long before so yeah yeah i managed to sneak one yeah in april i mean we had to get them swelled up because you know it took us a bit longer to to build the brew. Swelled up meaning. So so at the fruiters because they're oak, you know they contract and swell with um, like with moisture humidity. in the air and stuff. Yeah. So you know we had to make sure that they would hold beer, and the fruiters can get you know dry enough that you can have like you know daylight come between the staves. Oh, wow. So you've got to steam them up. We've got this really nice steamer, uh, steam generator that steams them up, opens the pores up, and then um, swell them with with water. Uh, so they steam they they close up again. And once it holds water overnight, we can drain that and the food is ready. Right. So, okay, so that's the whole thing. So it took so some they're time. they're going to be wet all the time. Yeah, yeah. And once they got beer in them, then we can just leave beer in them, drain them the next year, refill the next day, so they're always full. Right, so then we're, then we're good. they can never be not um, full. If, you know, you can leave them, you can leave them emptied, but then you've got to do maintenance to make sure that the, you know, you're not building molds, Comes back to that, that it's stuff, not yeah. shrinking, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Definitely wood management is a big part of my day. Interesting. Um, I spent a lot of time, you know, scrubbing and swelling and checking and tasting on that side. Um, Never thought about that. No yeah. one's ever mentioned that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wood, wood maintenance. Wood, yeah. Wood's like cellar maintenance is a, is a massive part of any kind of uh, oak program. You can't just take your favorite beer and throw it into your favorite barrel and forget about it for a, for a year. Mm -hmm. um, you'll end up with a, a really bad version of favorite beer. Right. Um, you've got to think about like, okay, why am I doing this? And what am I looking for? And what conditions is that uh, being me happiest? So we keep our cellars at 16 Celsius and 80% humidity, which um, yeah, that yeah, means, I remember the room being a little chilly, yeah. like you had it all it was all perfect. Yeah. So whereas in Kentucky they look for these uh, really dry winters and uh, hot summers. Okay. So what's happening is in the summertime the whiskey's soaking into the into the oak, mm -hmm. and the time the it cools down and the stage compress and it pushes it back into the barrel mm. and it's breathing from year to year as the seasons mm. warm and swell it's and you're getting this oak contact back and forth through the wood which is that that coconut that vanilla that you look for in bourbon right uh we're looking for that we're looking for a stable that it's just in the same way that you go to all your you know the the wine cellars uh in europe yeah, they're, they're in like, like they're in caves underneath the ground kept yeah. very cool very stable if you go to uh, founders have a gypsum yeah, the mine underneath like yeah. ten thousand barrels in there. yeah um, it's like it's like negative one Celsius, and uh, they just keep it in there, so really nice and cool and, and temperate. Um, so we're looking for that, and right. um, but you know, checking that 
you don't have a, a leaking stave or a bung has popped off your your uh, barrel, which would cause more oxygen ingress and give you like more vinegar notes to your beer, which we don't want. I don't want in our beers. Um, yeah, so it's it's a lot of checking on the things. Yeah, they're kind wow. of they're our children, so yeah. we check on them. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, like I don't know why this kind of like I guess it makes complete sense that you're saying it. Yeah, it's just no one's really. Yeah, we talk to brewers all the time. I guess it's, it's probably pretty boring to think like to to bring that up, but. That's really interesting. So there's this, there's just so much to it. Yeah. To to make excellent barrel aged beers, it's not just like chuck them in and like good no, chuck it's, it's, like, it's laborious. Like you you got to wheel barrels around, and then sometimes you know when you empty a barrel, you got to make a call. Like, is this still good beer? And you gotta you gotta dump a, a higher portion of beer than than you would normally. Months wasted, not weeks. It's yeah, it's like, it's months and years wasted that you can be like, ah, that's got a little bit of a you know, and you don't want to blend out mistakes. If it's if it's I was gonna if, ask. No, yeah, no, okay. if like. We only ever take like our Appalachian series. Um, mm-hmm. It's just basically we'll take um, a few people into the funk side on the brushing team, and we'll pick out say twenty or forty barrels we think are kind of coming into maturity. Okay. We'll stand around and we'll select them. We get five barrels. So okay, this is the best five barrels we have right now. Right. And we blend those together into an Appalachian. And with right, what does so Appalachian in that sense just means like a so, like a, a yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the brand of the uh, of these beers it. we call Appalachian one, two, three. It's just basically whenever we do a five barrel blend of our five favorite beers uh, at a time. Okay. Um, what are you looking for in those five beers? Is it your five favorite and it's just like everybody likes them or is it like, all right, here's a one, I know you don't have this yet, yeah. but like here's well, three months, here's a six month and you and you're blending the ages because yeah. I heard that's a thing. Yeah, normally it's anywhere between like four months to a year old barrels, and generally you pick out your favorite barrels first. You'll decide like, okay, these twenty are too young, these twenty are, are mature enough to start selecting from, and then you need a concept. Then okay, these ones here have this great lime zest and funky acid to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about if we make, mix that one with that one? Yeah. So it's really just like that's it. And these ones have like a pineapple thing. And okay, well, if we combine like this this pineapple funk with this acidic uh, lime zesty kind of oaky one, put together, you're like ah, oh, that didn't work as well as we thought it would. Right. And you just test like wine. Like yeah, we just, just like basically make we have like forty things. glasses around here of one of each barrel and then our blending glasses in between we kind of blend them up on a scale to weigh out 20% this barrel 20% this barrel and 60% this barrel jeez until we get the blend we want and then we put it into, into a tank and then it changes on you and then it goes through this whole different re-fermentation where like oh that's doing no. a, it's doing a twist that we didn't expect there but cool it's a happy twist or it's or it's right. not and we're like alright so what does it need then uh, maybe it needs another barrel to bring it back this way or dry up to finish it um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of a lot more art than science. That's that. fascinating. Yeah. Like, I guess because you think it would be maybe without like the, the average person might just be like, oh, you just yeah, you just chuck a bit of that, a bit of that. Because I seen like, Ryan, we whenever we go to Rosewood, he always yeah. like, ah, come on, I'll show you some new stuff, and you're like, he does the thief, and then you suck the thing up, you're like, yeah. bam, bit of that, bit of that, and it's maybe to me it looks arbitrary. Sure. But it, to him, he's probably like, and he's doing it in a glass, yeah. once in one big glass, and just pull that out yeah, into yeah. all of the other ones. But like, it just always seems so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so I know that's like a test, but you know, I mean, yeah, not I mean, thought through. No, and, and certainly, I mean, if I was, um, if I was taking through the barrel cell now, you're probably gonna pick out a few barrels that I know would would blend up together nicely into something right. that was kind of cool. Because you've tried them all now, and you're sort of like yeah. familiar with what's where. We're starting to get so our barrel program is just starting to get some really nice mature barrels. Okay. Um, that's kind of fun. Um, so we're having more barrel age releases coming out. Um, but yeah, still, it's like weekly. Now I'm going through there. Pick, I got you know, probably like 60 barrels that are 
coming to maturity now, just watching for when they're really a peak. And then you like, blend up, yeah. how often would you do these blending tastings? Uh, I'm thinking like once a month, really. But I mean, the beer tells us when it's ready. If the beer is screaming like, all right, I'm ready. Uh, then yeah, then right, we bring everyone's it like, okay, is yeah. it a consensus or is it like you get the final say because you're the... Uh, so yeah, so usually I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bring a beer to people and I say, look, here's, here's a blend. Do you want it? And no one said no yet. Um, so so far, hundred percent strike rate. Yeah, so far, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely a very yes brewery culture we have here as well. Like, like we'd love to we love to play and explore, and try things, and we're willing to make mistakes and uh, dust ourselves off and try it again. That's it. I guess that's the beauty of your own facility and your own tap room being that you just have a small batch. Yeah. Then if it sort of sells really well, you're like, ah, oh, we're onto something. If it doesn't, you're like, oh, well, I like it. Yeah, we usually have like two or three tap lines that are just like a small ten heck batch trial right that um if it succeeds we'll scale it up from there right yeah. that's pretty cool man i yeah. like that i like that sort of flexibility and that sort of uh like just being able to do that i think it's fun i, I think you need i think you need to let the beer tell you what it wants to be sometimes yeah it's it's i mean that's once again the winemaker's personality you know uh, approach as well okay. whereas most brewing is like the um you know the beer will be in tank for 21 days and it will it will crash here. My yield would be this, and it will be packaged by this, and the right. shelf life would be this. Like very, like yeah, you, like it's 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 been done, you know, hundreds of times. So you it's know processes. exactly where it is. Yeah. Uh, on this side, it's there's so many variables that you can't account for them anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, once you have forty, fifty variables, you just kind of <laughs> you try and guide it in a way. And right. You just hope it goes where you want it. <laughs> to sometimes, yeah. That's sick. Yeah. But let's uh, well, let's yeah, let's do the next try one. this um, Appalachian one. Perfect. Which was um, this was actually a funny story. Um, so Dan from Malibois, sure. nice, I love uh, Malibois. Yeah, he he came down here and he's 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 a great guy. Um, he's a regular tap room. Uh, so he came down here while we were construction site and had um, like ten uh, wine barrels. And we're like, okay, cool, thanks. I don't need beer to put in them, but hang on. So yeah, so hung on to them. Um, got beer into them as soon as we could. And then um, out of those 10 barrels, we got into the cellar when they were 10 months old and uh, tasted them. And, um, but okay, these five barrels are the best of that of those 10. Right. And yeah, and it's just this really nice little kind of, you know, light sessionable, uh, what is it, 5.8% alcohol okay. uh, farmhouse ale. Amazing. It might be a little bit lively here, so I'll just start. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the long yeah the bottle conditionings can tend to uh, explode. Oh wow, time. good! That was incredible aim. It's like you've done that before. Uh, first time. <laughs> what uh, kind of barrels? Thank you, sir. What kind of barrels? Uh, were so these were all um, Camp Franc and Gamay barrels. Nice. Um, it just has really nice like the acid profile on it, and the fruit was showing nicely. Then it's got this great funk to it. Oh. You know, it's funny you say that. Like Malavie is probably, I'd say, Tiff's favorite winery. Um, and we love the small light gamme. We've got yeah. a bunch of those like aging in our wine fridge. That's, that's, and my, stuff. Go, that's my go to uh, yeah, pizza, pizza wine. Yeah. 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 Man, I wish we had access to that. That's the one thing I, I wish we had. And Quebec is fantastic yeah. for everything. Yeah. But it, the local wine is just a lot to be desired. They don't support it in the yeah. SAQ. So we can't get access to that. So we always come here. And like, that's why today, after this, mm -hmm. we're going to go to a couple of places and just stock up and you just bring a crap ton back to, that's it, yeah. to Quebec. It's just easier. Yeah. They're great folks as well. Yeah. Yeah, they seem yeah. always super lovely. It's all about the Twenty Valley. The, the winemakers here, they got an awesome camaraderie, beautiful community. 
I'm just really willing to share. And it seems out. like that, eh? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite wineries? I know. With like, I don't know if that's. Uh, Jeez, I mean, I, know, no, I, know, I mean, right? we're, we're kind of blessed here. Um, like, like they're all fire. Like to be dead honest, like they're yeah. really, really good. Yeah, I mean, like so, I, I know my neighbors really well. Um, you know, um, uh, Malabar, Redstone, Tours, Megalomaniac, yes. Pilmarisette, uh, Angels Gate Q. Um, all fire. Yeah, all yeah, all doing beautiful, beautiful things in their own way. Uh, if you get a chance to try Q's sparkling. Yes, we wines. Did. Last time we were there, yeah, they're, they're Blanc de Blanc and their Pinot Meunier are uh, fire, are beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, they're fantastic. Yeah, we yeah. go to Q a lot. Malavoy, Megalomaniac, Rosewood. We went to Redstone last time we were here, which yep. was like the Toss other one. Yeah, yeah. Like the Toss, yeah. One's, 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 Berg, one's Burgundy, one's Bordeaux. I'm Some, not, yeah. I'm not keen up about, about wines. Know which ones? Which ones? Which? Oh, yeah. They're both, they're both doing right. great things. I mean, they yeah. won Winer of the Year like multiple years, right? Red, Redstone did? Uh, Toss. Toss, no, yeah, yeah. I think, like, I think Redstone did one year as well. I think they did some pretty well. So we only yeah. went, knew they existed like whenever we were here last because they were the like low end of, I don't want to say low end in a bad way, but like the low end of Toss, meaning the like, I don't know, $20 bottles as opposed to $50 bottles. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure. Uh, that was what I'm, someone told us. I think they were just doing different styles, but uh, Tors is definitely an established brand. Yeah, they've been around um, for that. Yeah, and they, Tors is, they did they did a Cab Franc in 2016, I want to say, that had uh, this beauty. It was like so soft and open, had this beautiful earthy funk to it. Uh, I bought magnums of that stuff. Just yeah. Because, yeah, that's all. That's what I'm drinking. Yeah. Good. Now, I love when winemakers embrace like a little bit of funk into a thing, mm-hmm. like because uh, you can get those big. It doesn't happen too much. Eh? No, you can get those. Everyone, they're all like the fruit, the fruit, the fruit, and I feel like when you just focus on the fruit, you lose uh, using fermentation as yeah. as one of the layers of your of your wine. Um, but, you know, some of that old world, you know, um, cellar funk can yes. be a nice way to back up these kind of dark fruits. You get that tobacco, um, you know, that earthiness uh, into it. Yeah, it's. I don't know, like do they add? Do they add like a, like the, the you know lacto and brat and pedium and stuff like no, that, or is it like just, just I think on the skins? I think they do. They do some wild ferments as well. I think a lot of winemakers in the area do wild ferments, and yeah, brett It's it's out, It's on the skins everywhere. That's how they do it. Yeah, it's actually on the skins of the wines. Maybe they didn't wash it or whatever. That's it. Yeah. I'm sorry, skins yeah. of the grapes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They just don't sulfur it, which knocks back the the uh, bacteria cultures, um, so they can pitch uh, like a winemaker's yeast into it. Just. Really, if you get a bunch of grapes and crush them, you'll get wine out of it. It'll naturally ferment. This is what it is. Yeah. Cause they're, they're, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Photo. Near the drill. I'm going to grab the beer. Just because I can be the holding both. There we go. Love it. I was curious. I'm not sure if this is even relevant, but like how has it been sort of uh, being a fellow was he in Canada? Um, yep. You know, how, how has it been? You've been here you know, 10 years. I've been here eight. Yeah. Like how's it sort of been being... Uh, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to be out of your home country and in, in, you know, a, a scene yeah, industry. Yeah. Like, if you... No, how's no, that been for you? My wife and I, we've been... Like, she's from Canada. Uh, from Hamilton. That's how, that's why you moved here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, met, I met in Mexico while I was down there. And we're both kind of travelers. So we... Uh, once we met, we traveled around uh, Australia, uh, Western Canada. Um, considered Europe for a bit. But really, you know, we wanted to, uh, to settle down somewhere close to, to family and if it wasn't mine, it was going to be hers. So it's um, either or. Why did yeah. you choose Canada in the end? Uh, I love the seasons here. Um, I love being, because I like traveling, I like being close to the States and also being six hours from Europe, you know, Europe as well. Facts. Um, and the beer is, uh, you know, like being, being close to the, to the beer belts, right? Like, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Well, I'm close to like Vermont. We got like an hour and a half from Burlington. Yeah. Like you guys are a little bit not quite the same for Buffalo, but yeah. at least there's some you can access. Uh, other half just opened up in uh, Rochester. Yep, yep. So that's pretty sick. I yeah, and Chicago's a big town for us. Um, food nice, food down sick. there is awesome. Yeah, Detroit, yep. Michigan beer is fantastic. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot. Amazing. The whole Northeast and even like in right under you guys and then even up in Montreal, we've got Maine, uh, like Massachusetts, Boston and stuff. Like there's a lot happening yeah. just in this sort of like from Chicago, Illinois down. Yeah, I feel like the East Coast is really in the last, what, six years? has taken off. killing it. You've got like, you know, Trillium and... Um, Trias. Yeah, uh, Hill Farmstead and Suarez. Foam. Foam. Nice yeah, shit. there's just, there's, there's no end to the list of like, Great breweries in the last ten years in Sifton West, yeah, yeah, northeast. So that was yeah, hell yeah, man. I love, I love. I'm super grateful for it. Like I wasn't able to travel for like four years because of immigration nonsense. So like I was landlocked, knowing, <laughs> like I'm relatively broke because I wasn't able to legally work. So it was hard to make everything sure. work. And then it's like once I got the visa, like boom, like yeah. we just go to Vermont to go to Trader Joe's all the time. Like it's yeah, the sickest thing ever because it's so close. And it's, I guess, it's like, coming from somewhere where, you know, we were from different cities and yeah. you're in from the warm part and from the cold part. But, like, Australian beer at the time, I guess, when we were all yeah. growing up, it was pretty average. And then... I, I think it was Little Creatures. Little was, Creatures were the was, the, I was They started the craft beer in Australia. Yeah, I was, I was drinking that out in, um, in Kalgoorlie in... <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard for a while. 2008, I want to say. All right. Uh, and the, it was their Bright Ale... Yeah, and the bright, think, and the pale. Yeah, that was my first kind of um, foray into like American pale ales. Same, yeah. And I was drinking it. It was cool. It was called Judd's Hotel in Kalgoorlie. And then we went to Frio in Fremantle and, and went to the little place there. Nice. And uh, yeah, and I was, that was when I kind of came to like, okay, hops can be really cool and expressive. Have you had them recently? No. Nah, you know? No, actually, when I went back last time in two, almost three years ago, it was uh, Stone and Woods Pacific Ale. Oh, that one's sick. That I was, uh, was hitting pretty hard, yeah. But I had Little Creatures Pale Ale, I remember having that about the same time, yeah. 2008-ish. Yeah. And it was like, oh, man, this is hardcore, this beer, <laughs> yeah. like, that's bitter. Yeah, I had that, I think, when I went back earlier this in February this year, and it's like a lager. Yeah, like, loop, loop and shift, eh? Yeah. It's just our palate. It's just sure. understanding. It's just really interesting to see yeah. what that, that time frame is. But anyway, sorry, yeah, so you you drinking a lot of those beers then. Yeah. But it's that sort of maybe piqued the interest of it, and then yeah, it didn't under, under hops. Like I, I'd always like the Belgian beers. You know, you get those import now and then. Yeah, yeah. You get fancy Ooh, with it. Yeah. And then I, and then I went to Belgium, just you know, uh, backpacking through there, and that's where I ran to like Gers and and uh, like, Atlantic beers. And I was like, oh, like, what if, is this? If this is beer as well, then this is like, this is cool. I'm with it. Yeah. So uh, so that didn't my you know so I was interested in in sours and hobby beers then, and then. Uh, so we started brewing hoppy beers when I got into Niggerbrook. I was like, I want to brew an IPA. And I remember I brought them, uh, they said, oh, what's an IPA? I'm like, it's just like hoppy. You brought IPAs to Niggerbrook? Yeah, Headstock was the first beer that we developed. Are you kidding there. me? That was one of the so, first IPAs I think I had in Canada too. <laughs> that so, was crazy. So, so I brought them like, it was Flower Power from Ithaca and 60 Minute IPA from Dogfish, Dogfish Head and Nugget Nectar from Trogues Brewing. Okay. Um, and Steelback Brewing had just closed down and they had a whole bunch of nugget uh, hops to sell. So, like, so I was like, all right, cool, we'll do like a nugget nectar type thing. So everything Headstock was like a red kind of beer. Um, and I won a gold medal at the US Beer Up in, in like the Out of Bounds IPAs because it was like, the color was right. not pale, right? It was red. Right. Uh, but then, you know, after some trips around California, going to Russian River and Society Brewing and, um, and Stone and stuff like that, uh, we... 
it started to become more of a golden colored beer. We changed the hops into being Simcoe Mosaic, I think, uh, Equinox and, um, and was it Citra? Um, okay. You know, made more more West Coast after that. Right, right. And uh, so yeah, that was the first that was the first beer we That's got crazy, there. Man. And then yeah, so it's a lot of hops. Uh, Naughty Neighbor came out after that. Then Immodest came out after that, um, which was just it's still a banger. Yeah. Yeah. Once a year, the hops would come. They would get pelletized, get sent out to you in like January, February. So as when those hops were at freshest, like this eight percent alcohol beer, once a year, just throw out the hops that arrived that day into the into the thing. Right. And it was once a year brew. Um, and then after that, I can't, I think it was like, uh, you know, all great, great divides, Yeti and all the kind of bourbon barrel aged stouts started coming out. Right. 1050 probably like, uh, yeah. 1050 and, uh, founders, you know, all the oh, yeah. Kentucky, Kentucky breakfast, breakfast stouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then I drove to Kentucky, got some, um, it was Buffalo Trace and Four Roses barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, brought those back, went down again the next year, brought 30 barrels back. Then, then just I knew my guys in Kentucky after that. I was like, just send me two hundred eighty-eight barrels the next year. Bring them up, and yeah, it just blossomed into that into that uh, barrel That's program. crazy. Yeah. I love it. That's so sick, man. I think I was telling you actually, this was really sparked when we were talking. It might have been a bit drunk last time last year, but I still kept. I kept the twenty fourteen Kentucky bastard, and I got the twenty seventeen. So I want to do it side by side. I know it would be better if having full vertical. But I had a twenty fourteen like three months ago. How was it? It's still drinking beautifully, man. Still going it's, good. It nice. really is. Yeah, it's like whole lot of like cocoa nibs and um and uh, bourbon vanilla. Nice. Yeah. Yes. I figured it would hold up pretty well because it's all wax sealed and stuff. So I felt like it had. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. 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 I'm. I'm in the wax seal. And I might regret it now, but it you know it it, it keeps they're annoying. Beer, it keeps the beer like I think I, I do agree. It keeps the beer like from oxidizing, and I, I don't like that nail polishy uh, thing you can get on an oxidized old stout. Yeah, um, you can get like you can get a bit like soy saucy. Yeah, so this kind of protects yeah, yeah. that. But I, I know I know when you've had, it out. when you've had two beers and you're trying to cut <laughs> wax off a of a thing, it can be pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess someone showed me recently. You just put under the hot water for a little bit. Like and just to soften it, I'll just get like a serrated knife and just like do a thing around it. Yeah. And there's like sick bottle openers that like have like a good solid handle and that digs like a bolt coming out of it, digs yep. in, you can just lever I, that thing. I've seen people do that. I don't like the more of the, the, the neck of the bottle that much. Yeah, well, so, like, is so, there another way? Uh, I don't know. I, I've always found that there are some bottles that are, you know, uh, are unique, but usually if you get a knife underneath it, it'll just kind of spin off. Um, you, oh, just so kind of, you need to do. You, you know, just kind of like it. ply it off, like um, yeah, which is how we intend to do it. But sometimes it does get like that. You have to chip away at it for some reason. Yeah, uh, I don't know it what just the depends on how the wax dried. Probably, uh, I don't know if it's like the temperature of the wax in the day or what it is exactly. Yeah, it but you done. get every every now and then you get a, a wax bottle that you have to like chip away at. Real go yeah. through it. Yeah, maybe it's not a bad idea to put it under the hot water while it's cellar temperature. Put a line around the thing, then chuck sure, it in take the, the cap fridge. off and check. Well, yeah. not even take the cap off. Leave it in I mean, the yeah, fridge. Yeah, the, the, the wax so cap. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So it's like, I might try that. It's not yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, like as an Aussie, then I guess like over here, like the experience for you has been like for me being in Canada, it's been fantastic. It's like being at home. Yeah, we're I, all the same. Here, I felt right? at home right away. Um, yeah, my wife and I lived in Toronto for the first year, and and right from the get go, you know, it's, uh, it's smooth. And smooth. A lot of Aussies in Toronto now, yeah. There are. A lot of Aussies everywhere, I think, yeah. There are everywhere. There's hardly any in Montreal. I hear it occasionally, and I'm like, what the hell? I think it's, but, just, it's, just, a, it's just a language barrier there, right? Like, um, Yeah, that's why. We're, we're terrible at languages. We just, you know, we, we, start, we, we barely speak English. <laughs> barely. I gave up. People couldn't understand me. I tried <laughs> to speak French a lot. Like, I can understand it for the, for the most part, I guess. I can read the signs and stuff, and yeah. I was learning it. And to every time I tried to speak it, they would ask me, like, just like I said, can I get a water? And they're like, what? I, I want, you know, like, same simple words. 
here, I don't know if you ever had that frustration, just trying to have to repeat yourself, and then I had to do it in French, and then they just started speaking to me in English, so I was like, oh. Yeah, I think they're always kind, and they were like, I, I heard you say bonjour, just to speak like, English. Yeah, and you can say how bad it was, yeah, yeah. which works really well. I get away with it, Tiff doesn't get away with it as much. <laughs> I just don't even bother anymore, but like, yeah, no, it was cool. I like seeing, I haven't met any um, other Aussies we were talking before uh, in beer here. Like, like you said, there's a ton in wine. Yeah. I haven't really met, like, beer fans, for sure, but not, sure. like, really working in the industry, um, yeah. in my experience. At yeah. least, in the, I'm sure in Vancouver there's probably a trillion, but, like... Uh, I haven't met, met many either, no. No? No. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's nice when, uh, like, there's some something to be said for, speak, like, I don't know, I, it's nice to be away from home all the time and be around different cultures than what we grew up with. But then sometimes when you do see someone from back home yeah. and there's like a language that you can sort of speak and things you understand that just no one else will just get. It's just particularly, I don't know if you find that. Yeah, yeah. There's that, that, there's that, that, that affinity. Feeling, or... that, yeah. That feeling of being away from your home is one I, I love having. I love it too. But Something then, you miss, right? Like, but then if you, can, if you can do that and then you miss... You, you meet one of your countrymen, that's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a nice feeling. It yeah, is. it's like a shared sort of like understanding yeah. of, uh, you know, similar things you go through overseas and yeah. stuff like that and uh like okay that's cool as long as oh i think that's the camera clicking it's cool all right i take a little uh break here yep oh the battery died battery you know what set. take a break all right bam all right back from a pee break <laughs> very important i was like i wonder if i can make this i was gonna try and make it i'm glad we did it it's good time for dead battery yeah yeah, right, the battery solved everything. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're going to get into the lightning round. Do we want to crack something fresh for that? Like we've got, yeah. so we've hit, we've hit a couple of the fruit groves. We hit the uh, the Brett IPA. and this Yeah, let's, let's hit the VO because I think VO really, you know, that's that about our, um, it's it's a beer from wine country that has, you know, has grapes in it. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, this one as well. Which one do you got? VO? Um, <laughs> this one is Malavar Barrels, Gamay. Ooh, I know, see, yeah. I told you, I knew the face would light up with that one. There's some left. Yeah. Um, I think I had this one with you last time. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, this one's uh, aging really nicely, uh, going in a good direction. I love that. Um, and they were made, if I'm not mistaken, with the grapes from literally at the, the taproom yeah. window. If you look at the taproom window, you can see um, uh, Dan Stout, who uh, he's a winemaker at uh, Malazwell. He's uh, His family owns um, some vineyards across the road from us. Okay. He grows... I want to get this right. Um, Merlot, um, Riesling, Viognier, and one other. No, what's it? Yeah, so so these are the Viognier groups from from that field. Love it. Which is sick. There's such a a fantastic... like we were talking before about that acidity and the... By the way, what are you doing with that? So, so, you turn so, the other one yeah, upside so down too. I've seen a lot of people do it and they'll, they'll pour a glass of beer and then they'll take it and they'll swirl the bottom of the Rousing bottle. Rousing the yeast. Rousing the yeast. Which I did a lot recently. But when you do that, you're also knocking all the CO2. That's right. Especially when you rouse that yeast. So I prefer to, to invert it a little bit, mm-hmm. really gently. And because the yeast is all settled on the punt, uh, which is the bottom, the little divot in the bottle right. yeah, and then the just uh, yeah I hold it for light and I just shake it until I can see the yeast coming down but looks like this one's already nice and hazy Pretty well. got a lot of yeast in there uh, so you will get a lively pour doing this but you won't knock most of your C2 out of solution interesting always learning something that's sick and this beer the base is the clean slate is that correct? yes yeah, so this was uh, our clean slate Brett Saison nice uh, that we uh, put onto the Viognier grapes. Love it. Uh, and the Viognier had this beautiful like peach and like stone fruity kind of lime zest thing happening yes. in there. 
So then it just really pairs nicely with our, our bread. Gets like this lime zest and pineapple note to it. Yeah. Um, I love your new wine. So nice. Yeah. My favorites as well. Oh, yeah. That Smooth. A big, big fluffy mouth feel from the um, bottle commissioning. So this was bottled in uh, in May. Nice. Probably the same batch that we had last time. Uh, yeah, it is actually, yeah. Love it. Yeah, we do it, we do it once a year, or once that year. Um, yeah, and I just love the way it's developing. Super food friendly. Yeah. Oh, this um, is like, yeah, it's a crusher. What is yeah, it, five? Be, uh, it's 6-2, honestly. 6-2, man, you're killing these ones. These are like, it's the most crushable. I mean, 6% is all quite low, but like, it's there's just no no even like hint of everything. No, I, th- I think if you get like a good fermentation, you're looking at those fusel alcohols, those higher alcohols that kind of, you know, give you the burn. Yep. Um, if you keep yeast happy, it'll just chomp out some ethanol for you right. and all those fuse alcohols. Um, yeah. is it, I, I always like to think, I don't know if this is accurate, that the hiding of the alcohol, I guess, and not in the scamming way, like, yeah. but sure, with a bunch of sweetness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hiding the alcohol is a mark of a, a good brewer. Was that yeah, accurate? D- definitely, because it means your yeast is happy. When your yeast is happy, it's just making its ethanol. Um, like you know, which is yeah, in the surface, yeah, it's there, but you know, like, but then when you stress it out, it's kind of making like some some bad stuff that'll you know, um, a really estery or phenolic, and then you get those higher alcohols if you're really stressing it that um, just is like got that hot burn to it. Mm. Um, so yeah, you know, we just try and keep our, our yeast as happy as could be, right. and with our fooder program, our barrel program, there's just another place that the yeast stays happier because that oak. It, it breathes as well, right? So it's getting oxygen slowly enough to keep that yeast working. Right. Whereas in steel, you tend to do a, a short turnaround in steel because you get healthy yeast, you give it a sugar source and a finite amount of oxygen, it eats it and then it just chokes out. Right. So it's made ox- it's made alcohol, it's eaten all the sugars it can eat, there's no oxygen left to do, it just it dies. dies right. Whereas on the on the on the barrel side of things, you can keep your yeast happy and healthy and just keep running at it, right? Right. I love it. Yes. Yeah, whereas on, on our steel side, we tend to keep yeast in tank about five, seven days. Right. And then on our it. funk side, we just never, we just keep it going. Right. And you yeah. can like reuse it all, right? Like, yeah. It, I mean, it, lives, it lives in the oak, it lives in the wood. Right. So, so our house culture just keep going that way. Love it. So cool. Yeast is yeah. fascinating. It is. Whatever, it's, like, it's the coolest part of, of fermentation, I think. Like, you know, there's obviously the, there's the malt, the hops and, and the water, um, but the yeast is where you get so much latitude to play with different, different right. profiles to it. The yeast kind of really is the beer. It is, yeah. yeah. That makes it. It's just so fat. We don't really get like mad deep into like science stuff here very often. Yeah. But I don't know, whenever like, be, like you're just busting it out, I'm like, all right, I love it. <laughs> it's just fascinating because it's yeah. just like, it's like science class, but I really care about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. I, I was the same way. I, I, was, I was not big into biology or, or chemistry when I was uh, in school, but once I got to put it in a beer framework. Then it's like, it makes sense, right? <laughs> now I like it, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Max. Uh, Shout out to Max from Hops and Bros, who's in yeah. the, uh, in the, the tap room there. He's a legend. And uh, so Max was uh, just talking to him now. He's like, because he's at the Niagara College as well. And I guess it's, you know, he's from Ottawa, so he's working out here. And uh, he was just telling me, now I'm at school. And he's like, oh man, it's hectic. Like, it's like homework every night. I go do like five assignments a week and stuff. And it's all that chemistry. I'm like, did you know this before? And he's like, nah, man, I knew nothing. So he's like, Mind blown with all this stuff, and it sort of helped fill in that knowledge yeah. gap from like we would have had a similar knowledge of beer doing yeah. this media stuff, and then now he gets that sort of science stuff, and that's like, yeah, kind of crazy. It, it, like, before we get to lightning round, is that do you think it's necessary for a brewer to attend a school program, or do you think it's equally as good to learn on the job? I, I think if it puts you on the short track, that 
you know, if, if you hire, if we hire a guy out of the college, um, versus, you know, someone who just loves beer, yep. uh, I know that they have the basic principles of, of safety. First of all, like, first of all, get home safely. Yep. Cause you know, we work in a, in a factory floor with, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, heavy cleaning chemicals and heavy equipment that can, that can hurt you if you don't do it right. Right. Um, so base knowledge, definitely, yeah, I'd recommend it. I, I would say yep. it's a good way to get into the industry um, with a skill set that someone wants. Okay. Um, otherwise, you're going to be mopping floors and, and, and doing some... Uh, in, in, a, in a position that you can, like, watch people for, a, you know, a few months or a year. Mm-hmm. So you mop, you're mopping floors, watching your brewer work and understanding how it works. Whereas if you have that knowledge, people might say, all right, you know how chemicals work and how this pressure works, so I'll put you in here supervised. Right, so it's probably... It'll put you on a, on a short track. On yeah. a short track, okay. Because I was yeah. never really sure if there was a lot of value in it. I find it's probably 50-50 with the people we speak to have, yeah. who have, have uh, formally educated versus a home brewer who then got I, a job. I mean, I was, I was six months in the program uh, before I got my first solo brewing shift. Right. And, you know, I just kind of figured it out in the way. Um, so wh- I guess that's somewhat like... Similar to if you had a job, you just figure it out too. Yeah, yeah, of. brewing stuff. But, but you get you know, a chemistry lesson during but, the day. But here, the thing is that when you know when you're figuring it out, that's you know it's a lot of beer on the line. Uh, the, you Big know, difference. The, yeah, you know some of these tanks. You know, there's there's two hundred grand worth of beer in that sitting in that Jeez. tank. So if you open the wrong valve or do the wrong thing, that's that's, that's a big that's a big boo boo on a, on your first day. Uh, yeah. You don't want that. Yeah. If you were to hire somebody, yeah. What are you looking for? I know this is completely off track, but what, I'm just curious. No, what, no, totally, what, what, totally. what would you do? Uh, I'd say number one thing is like proactive and 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 thinking. Okay. Um, if someone's like, if someone's proactively thinking about, all right, I can see how this goes together. Um, you know, uh, they can think for themselves in a way, which which requires you know it, that's a maturity to do that. Right. Um, and that's but, more yeah, important yeah. than the schooling. Yeah, to me, man, like I, you can teach them the skills, but that kind of proactive thinking—that's a—that's a lifelong skill that people hmm. develop, and you know, just someone being a bit sharp behind the eyes. Um, yeah, that's number one thing for me. That's great. There you go. If you're aspiring to be a brewer, I was just always curious. I just always wonder, like, I don't want to do it, but if I went to go just because I do this, I speak to a lot of people, so I have a, a relatively solid foundation of beer. Yeah, I would need to know a lot. Like, I don't know if I couldn't just walk on the floor and and brew. Like, you'd need like you know, I assumed you'd be like a seller. Yeah. yeah, generally, I mean, generally, you'll, you'll be washing kegs on that. If you have like uh, no experience in the brewing industry, you'll be washing kegs on the first day just because that puts you in the brewery on the brewery floor um, where you can watch everyone doing their jobs just get for, for a while. So you're familiar with, okay, I, I, I see what the brewers are doing every day and the hours they're putting in, and I see what packaging is happening, and I see what the dangers are, but you know, you're in your own. S- space that's not being interfered with mm-hmm. so it gives you exposure to okay, here's how brewery works and just watch it happen yeah um so that's usually where people start out that would make sense is it like one of those things where like if you i feel like the best managers in my experience in employment or whatever the best managers have done the job before i always dislike the managers who mm-hmm. hadn't yeah. they hadn't done the job that I'm doing so how are you supposed to tell me what Definitely. to do right so is it one of those things where like all right well you need and there's nothing wrong you need to be the janitor, then you need to sort of is that is that important totally. in the hierarchy? I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, we have a we have a pretty flat land approach here that you know I I squeegee floors and I I clean tanks and I do all the beer transfers that everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we more people to fill in those gaps, you know, it lets me do uh, barrel transfers. And every time I I do a new task, I'm looking for that next guy who can right, who wants who's really loves oak 
and wants to go whisper to barrels and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, always always looking to you know always, absolutely barrel oh. whisper. <laughs> I'm, I'm always looking to fill. I'm always looking for to, for someone to do my job. Right, because um, you, you, you need to be. I, I look at you like a um, like an entrepreneur, right? So like an entrepreneur at the end of the day, like they have to do the job that their business like where we own a social media agency yeah. we have to do it but then i don't want to do it forever so but if i didn't do it i couldn't instruct anybody how to do that, it that's that's exactly yeah the, i, I want to do a leader yeah i usually want to do a job for three months and then uh if i can find someone who's passionate about that job i don't want people to be engaged i want people to, like their Transfer head is naturally around. like i i i naturally dream about barrels and driving to places and and finding these perfect barrels and aging in them and I like to put people where their brains naturally are. Hmm. So if they're naturally a mechanic, then I want them to, you know, to be, all right, you're in charge of the boiler and pump repairs that I got. If someone just, you know, loves hops, then, then cool. Then, um, you know, put them as a brewer and put them in the, in our hop yard, right, as, you know, tending in, in the summer. But putting people where their mind is engaged so that when they go home and have a pint in the afternoon, they're getting those inspirations like, hey, if we harvested a week later, we might get this cool note out of there. Hmm. And their brain's just naturally working all the time thinking about what they do. That's so smart. So just don't put someone where they don't want to be, right? Facts. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I've been in so many jobs. We talked about this the other day, actually, that there's been jobs where uh, they don't, they're not like the corporations say they're not nimble. Like you're a startup. You're yep. nimble. You can be like, oh, you're not good there. Let's put you here. Like you're in a corporation. You're over here. You have to get really good at that job and then apply for it and go through a formal bureaucratic process before you can go over there when like it would save everyone a headache to just be like, all right, well, that person isn't happy yeah. there, but their mind's there. Yeah. So to hear you say that is refreshing because sometimes it concerns me that people don't get that concept that uh, and, and, you'll put people where they're going to perform the best. And that, that's a big part of like our tap room. That's a huge part in that is that now after work, you go and find people and you just, just talk to your staff that because usually at the day, is you know it's 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 ordered and there's things to do and yeah. it's it's fairly um, information heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, of what, okay, we need this 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 done. But in the afternoon, you can kind of chat and people tell you about the hopes and dreams and hmm. what they want to do and where they want to go in their career and and what they're thinking about. And if I can find a job that just puts those two things together, like your passion and your work together, mm-hmm. then you've got someone who's like engaged twenty four seven on on that job. And it's going to grow your business faster and more efficiently and effectively. That's it. Yeah. I love it. That's so sick. That's the beauty of like a business like that. That makes me so happy. Um, all right, lightning round time, Uncle Mark. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Uh, guilty pleasure beer. What is beer you are embarrassed to admit to fellow beer nerds that you enjoy? <laughs> Cause banquet, man. It's uh, a it's a it's a it's a, it's an all malt made beer. If you're stuck at the Leafs uh, game, <laughs> you can get Cause banquet and it tastes like if I made a light light ale, it tastes like that. Like, yeah, interesting. So, no, uh, what about uh, just special for you question? A specific Aussie one. Ah, uh, um, uh, Australians. It's, it's it's like embarrassing beer. It'd be, it'd be VB. Um, you like it? I know. I hate I hate VB, but I grew up drinking it, and yeah. uh, at some point I was. Gonna get, me a, gonna get a tat of a VB battle, bottle when I was like 19 and I'm like, geez, you dodged a bullet there. <laughs> what stopped you doing that? Uh, I, I sobered up maybe? Yeah, so you're like, yeah, bro. It's like he was a Melbourne bitter or something. That could be way worse. Yeah, it, it, it could have been bad. 4X actually. It, it was gonna go on the, on the forearm too. It, was, it would have been. So may I ask? Be, it would have been a cover up by now, yeah. <laughs> why would you get a VB when you're from Brisbane? Like for the people who don't get that. We were, like, we were drinking VB. I don't, I don't know why. Like, cause like no Forex? VB and Forex. I don't know. V and Forex have that that um, you know that that clash of the heads. It's the same beer basically, 
But they all are, right? So yeah. is it like Nathan that just owns everything? Yeah, it, it is. But I don't know. Anyway, me and me and my mates, we would drink BB uh, at the Irish pub. Um, we didn't, we, did, we didn't know any better, you know. And and the joke was, what flavor do you want of beer? Because right. it tastes the same. Because it was like, yeah. what flavor tonight? Like, uh, yeah. it's got the yellow label. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe Tui's Pills was the first like premium kind of. Tui's had a pills, right? Tui's pills, yeah. I'm not sure it's on the market still, but yeah, I drink Tui's pills. And and people like nod the cap and go, oh. Oh, look at this guy. Nice beer you got there. Fancy. Yeah. That's hilarious, man. Old school beers. Gosh, it was trash. Opposite, beer you would decline under any circumstances. I don't think I've think i ever declined a beer. No? No. You just drink anything? I know. I like to try everything. Like, if you hand me a homebrew, I'm going to try it, man. I'm going to taste it see what it's about i love to explore stuff happy accidents happen all the place and you never know where inspirations comes from mm-hmm. um fair yeah. i love it i like that people have been saying that a lot more lately and i had this one time where i declined a beer and i kind of regret it now because everyone keeps saying i'm like no i shouldn't have done that it was a budweiser i was like it was like four years ago you know i mean i mean i i guess i guess i guess i might decline a beer if it was the wrong mood for it like if you're gonna hand me a barrel imperial stout while i've been working on the brewhouse floor and i'm sweating it out yeah you're like, it's oh, not man. the right thing yeah but in terms of like yeah, I guess no. It'd be like more like just in the mood, like you know, just if uh, you're just really not feeling like it's the only reason, as opposed sure. to like oh, I'm above that or not yeah. above it. Not but mind you, if you're putting a beer in my hand, chance I'm gonna try it. Yeah, yeah. fair. I like yeah. your attitude. Uh, favorite style? Uh, farmhouse saisons. I was gonna say that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an easy win there. Uh, least favorite? Hmm. Um, Doesn't mean you hate it. it. Just means maybe it's like the uh, probably point. like anything malty, like in like like, like a, a scotch wee heavy. Yes. Dunkle, I'm just not a malt guy. Yeah, I feel that. Scott, the wee yeah. heavies, I don't know. I want to try it again lately, though. I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. I, I, just, I just felt like it's a bunch of, like, crystal malts and diacetyl in most of those <laughs> things. And uh, I don't know. I mean, like, if you're going to be malt, then I'm going to go all the way and give me, like, an imperial stout. Yeah, know? right. Going to go, yeah, go like, home. Yeah, exactly. Do you want know a good malt? I'm, I'm 100% with you. One I've really started to enjoy is Cali Commons. Oh, yeah? I really like them. I don't know why. Because huh. it's like my... I call it an American ESB. Because yeah. ESBs, to me, are, like sleep go to don't worry sure, yeah. ignore that or english mild or whatever yeah. those type of things but the uh cali commons is something that i don't know what i don't know what the recipe is yeah there's something in it so, i mean still there is time place if you give me like an esb on a cask in an english pub in on, London, on a rainy day wearing a sweater <laughs> like uh, yeah, yeah you, you've ticked all the boxes there for, for an esb situational yeah, yeah it is totally that's a good point yeah. okay um favorite beer city destination or country where you like to go for beer? Uh, the States, man. The States is, is way yep. ahead of the, 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 the curve there right now. They're doing like, I, I love Belgium. Obviously, you know, um, Gers is my, if it's a desert island beer, it's Gers. Oof. Yeah, to answer a question. That was, that was actually sure. going to be one we actually took it out, but yeah, Gers is that one? The answer is always Gers. Okay. Um, Any specific one or just Gers in general? It doesn't matter. Just Gers in general. If I had to nail it down, it would probably be uh, Drew Fontaine. What? Um, I had that. That was, that was nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I could drink it forever on a desert island. It's, just, it's a lot. I mean, it just it sells well. So at least at least when you've been on desert island ten years, it still tastes good. <laughs> your, your IPAs are dead. They're over. Yeah, yeah. they're done. Yeah, they're not sneaking around. <laughs> That's a good. One. Okay, so in the states, though, where where do you have a city or state that is uh, your fave, or do you have a couple faves? I mean, yeah, California's rich. You know, yeah. um, can't lose. No, no shortage of, of great. You know, uh, if you got to drink, it's just a hoppy like you know hops and and, and sour beers. Uh, all day, and you got that all day in California. Yeah. Um, but then, really, you know, I feel like um, the whole Hill Farmstead family of you know, uh, Casas of uh, Cerveza yeah. and um, and Suarez family, 
and other offshoots there are doing amazing things. Um, so Vermont is is rich. Um, the greatest. Yeah, and then Michigan has an amazing uh, brewing scene as well. Yeah, um, yeah there's, there's no shortage. It's I mean, like you can't go anywhere and get a bad beer. So you I, can get good beer everywhere now. Yeah, so I used to think that it was just like in hot places you can get good beer, you know, but then now Florida's making amazing beers as well. So, Florida's uh, killing it. So you never know. Yeah, it's like I do like that about the States that Canada's getting there, but it was yeah. like every little restaurant you go to, there's always, like, I, I, I think you'd be struggling not to find a craft beer. Yeah. yeah on some, even yeah. when you go to like a chain restaurant, like we went to Buffalo Wild Wings in Vermont like a few weeks ago and they had like Lost Nation and a few other things like, you know, not like bought out ones or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, all right, so it doesn't matter where you go. There's like something fire yeah. for you there. There are a few ahead of us, definitely. Uh, we're catching up quickly though. I look, yeah, yeah, it's definitely catching up quickly. I think it's yeah. compared to two years ago. Definitely, I feel yeah. like even just with like trends and like uh, like you know stuff like like sours, haze, like New England's or like milkshake and stuff like that, things that have become trendy like Canada before was like nothing. All of a sudden, it's just boom. Yeah, like yeah, no, it's it's a good community in Ontario as well. Like we're pushing each other harder as well to uh, to to catch up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, first beer you ever brewed? Uh, oh, it was a like a one of those Fiesta like homebrew kits. Yeah. In in university, just like because it was cheaper than buying beer. Fair. Um, extract. Yeah, yeah, totally extract beer. Uh, Not one of those Cooper's ones, eh? Or like a. It might have been a Cooper's one actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the full dry mold. It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I made some. I think I made some weak beer that um, you know we we bottled into, into pet pet bottles and yeah. Um, yeah, and just and drank. I think I had to. I ended up putting like some uh, every beer. I had to put some like, some rice grains into it to give it a proper head alright because it didn't have any head to it put some rice grains and nucleates put some starch into it get a head wow little uh, hack yeah but uh, I learned that from a guy in Yamundi Brewing he was uh, yeah way way back in the day this is like I don't know this is uh, just on the Gold Coast somewhere like Mount Tambourine anyway he was was a little home brewer back in or a a professional brewer back in 2002 2003 right He's like, yeah, put some grains of uh, rice in your beer if you want better head. I think he, I think his his beer just lacked head. He's right, like, so he's like, I don't know, that's how you do it. Yeah, so I was like, right, that's a good trick. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Um, favorite and least favorite styles to brew. So maybe um, it's like annoying or something. Oh, oh um, yeah, I, I tend to put a lot of oats and uh, and raw wheat in beers, um, which gives you a long louder day. Unfortunately, I don't brew anymore, so it's it's my like, guy's long ladder day. But I've, I've done it before. Um, but yeah, just like you know, your, your oats and your and your raw wheat, can give you that really nice, beautiful head to it, and that body and mouthfeel. So if you're getting you know sub one Play-Doh um, finishing gravities, you're going to take a lot of that. Uh, keeping a nice head mm. to a dry beer is a hard thing, right? And that's what you need to balance it up with. Okay. Do you have a least favorite? Oh, that is the, the, oh, um, the least favorite styles to brew? I don't know, man. I, I just love brewing beers, man. It doesn't uh, even matter what yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, and I don't brew beers that I don't want to drink either. So, um, right. So, like, yeah, I mean, maybe you if I You do now or no, not so now, right? I don't. Like, uh, no one's asked me to to brew, I don't know, like a, a light adjunct lager. Well, you know, Would on, you? On, on, no. No? No. No? I feel like it could, like a Pilsner or something, could fit in with the bench... Um, Totally, and I think, I think I've been thinking about Pilsner. I'd, I'd like to brew Pilsner. Not Pilsner over a lager. For some reason, Pilsner feels more right than a lager. I don't know why. Well, a Pilsner is a lager. Well, it's a lagered ale, I guess. At the end of the day, no, no, right? a Pilsner, no. A Pilsner is a lager, a lager lager. Huh? 
Yeah, it's just it's brewed in the Pilsen style. Oh yes, okay, because yeah. it's got different hops and like a slightly yeah, I mean, different. So you got like, like, yeah, they have lagers include like Pilsners and and uh, Dunkels and all those different lager strains. Right. But, yeah. Well, they say like I guess maybe I was thinking they say Hellas or something. I don't know. I feel yeah. like the word Pilsner makes more sense with the brand. I know that's like arbitrary. Yeah, just but no, like it's yeah, same thing. It's a yeah, it's a, it's a lager. It's, it's a lager. It's a yeah, one okay. of lagers. Yeah, would you do that? But yeah, yeah, I'm totally. Uh, I just don't have the six weeks of or eight weeks of tank of tank time mm. right now to do it properly. If I'm saying I'm properly, I don't want to like, yeah, cut corners it. on something or um, yeah. And a lot of my beers do have like eight weeks of bottle conditioning, which is a big right. Uh, but I guess it's better bottle conditioning than tank conditioning. It is totally yeah because yeah. you can just stash that in the corner, but the tanks are uh, yeah. I mean, my guys still squeal when I have to put like you know find a place for eight skids of, of beer <laughs> to sit for two months. Um, you're like, oh come on, bro, and it's got to be sixteen degrees Celsius. So I figured that so one out too. Yeah, oh, we're gonna do it in the. No, we, we've got our conditioning room that we keep at sixteen Celsius. Yeah. Um, but obviously that means that you know once you pack that up, now you're off site trying to find someone who has this temperature controlled room. Oh, wow. Um, so that's that's definitely a, a bottleneck you run into, yeah. Are you going to, are you looking at doing some more um, room on site yeah. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, we want to do another another barn at the back to uh, do more barrels and dry storage and expand everything Stuff out. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, step another, by step. Another thousand barrels would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. A thousand cheese. That's insane. I love it. Someday. Uh, hey, you'll get there. Um, worst beer you've ever made? Uh, probably down the drain. Um, yeah, yeah. I've you can walk through. It's either it's it's it, it. Look, it's either it's either beer in my glass or it's not. Um, okay. you know, so if you didn't, if it was like garbage, you're like, guy. Yeah, I've 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 dumped I've dumped a lot of beer, mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily bad beer, right? But just it, it wasn't, wasn't right. right. It wasn't right beer. Okay. Um, so yeah, look. If I'm not gonna drink it, I'm not gonna put it into someone else's glass either. Fair. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what music do you listen to when you brew? Um. Or not the the the, the brewery really because like you got to listen to the pump and the tanks and how everything's going, and uh, and then yeah it's a it's a thing I got into is that I start like kind of whistling and humming to myself yeah. uh, in the brewery because when you're working late night shifts you tend it tends to keep the uh, hallucinations at bay <laughs> of uh, the late night pumps like, can can make you they can be crazy yeah a little bit crazy so if, if you just kind of sing over them it makes uh, it's all good it, it, it drowns them out a bit <laughs> but if if, if I just play music then it's usually uh, golden era hip hop nice yeah I wouldn't pick that yeah okay who's yeah. your favorite because that's my shit uh, mid 90s Wu-Tang Clan man it's, nice uh, yeah, yeah yeah usually but uh, you know uh, yeah Drew the Damager and then everything like Ninja Tunes um, Stone's Throw uh, they had some great stuff on theirs um yeah, but then the the crew turns into like classic rock as well, which is they kind of your kitchen that. jams. It it keeps you keeps the blood keeps flowing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Top five MCs. Ah, um, Charlie Tuna. Damn. All right. Yeah. Charlie's dope. Uh, yeah. Roots Maneuver, Rory Smith. Um, really, Roots yeah. Maneuver. Yeah, man. He's he's got some great jams. All right. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a great addition. Yeah. I was, I never uh, heard someone say that. Aesop Rock, man. You can't come out there with Rock. He's, he's a little backpacky for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. He's a little backpack. But he uh, buzz. No he buzz. I know. And then uh, I, I I do love like Mad Villain. And uh, MF Doom, um, I think his flow is amazing. Um, and Super. then uh, I gotta put the, I gotta put the, the probably, I'm not sure ODB or, or RZA, probably tied between those two. Wow, yeah, that's a very eclectic top five. Uh, I, I like hip hop, man. Yeah, I like uh, that. Yeah, normally it's sort of like you know, the typical one, so like that's that's the cool one. All right, <laughs> I like that. I don't get to ask many brewers that question just because. It's not a very. I, I feel. I feel like hip hop is the is the is the go to jam for brewers though. Is, is that? In you, my you probably know more than I do though. 
You, no. You've talked more brutal death than I have. No? Like, yeah, well, I death metal? Well, maybe, maybe not. Sure. Uh, not death metal is probably exaggerating, but like in a brewery, if you go in, it's predominantly white spaces, so <laughs> it's sure. generally rock or, or guitar-focused music. Sure. Um, the closest, like a couple dudes, like hit, like in LA, there's a yeah. lot more. Everyone's like, "What are you listening to?" Like Kendrick and blah blah. So I was like, "All right, cool." Finally, some some sort of hip hop cats, yeah. and we were at uh, Casey yeah. in Colorado recently, and all his tanks. The name is Dilla, uh, <laughs> Rakim, Eric B, <laughs> Salt and Pepper, yeah, yeah. Um, like all just crazy producers and, and, and Q Tip and stuff he, like he that. He was he was a massive influence to me. That guy, yeah, um, yeah, Casey, yeah, 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 Troy. Um, True enough, his I think his mum lives in like in my hometown, Dundas. They're from here, yeah. He yeah, said he was from here. Yeah, and but his fruits, his fruit sours, like they were some of the first ones. Uh, them and um, and Trevor Degard, um, they just blew me away. Like oh, shit, crazy, this, right? This is what fruit sours can be. Cool. Yeah, I'm bored. I was uh, I'd heard a lot about him, and that was because we did a trip with the tourism boys. So they hooked it up for us last minute because yep. they brought it up. I'm like, Casey's here. Like, what can you please look that up? So they did, and he was mad cool. He didn't have much time, but he was. We had like three or four bottles on the on the table and he started with have you heard of Weldworks no, in Denver no, Weldworks no. are like the Hayes Kings of Denver so he comes <laughs> out first of all with like a collab he did which I didn't expect like this full insane like New England IPA yep. and then he had three bottles like cherry and uh, I think one was apricot or something so say we'd, he'd have we'd have the glass like this and he'd wash the glass out with the next beer and just throw it on the ground we're outside which is normally what we do yeah right but I just understand that his stuff is extraordinarily difficult <laughs> to get like in Canada like I only sure. took one bottle out to go but like it was just I never seen it he was just like there's plenty more of that I'm just, I don't know it was just really like I couldn't sure. I, I'm not that I, I can't waste yeah. like that I, don't know. I mean yeah if, if once you're, you're a brewer, brewer like, well, if, if you're gonna start tasting your beer critically then you can't have like am I tasting this beer or am I tasting a bit of the last beer as well so you do a beer wash and I I get it. It was just more maybe because his stuff is... Sure. Like, it was even just, it's, like, the low end. It's like, so highly lauded and hard to yeah. get. Yeah. That was always just yeah. kind of shocked me, sure. like, in... Uh, and because he also, he was a hip-hop head and played it in there. It's habit, like, yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it just kind of blew my mind. I like it when that happens. Um, uh, so you're dry there. Right? Yeah, we're dry. What, do you want to, yeah. what should we do just before we wrap up the... Uh, um, do you want to do Cherry Grove? Did you get yeah, a chance no, please, Cherry Grove. Yes. Okay, yeah. I've been uh, thinking about that one. All right. I just love fruit beers. They're fantastic. And these Grove, the Grove series have been so fantastic. Well, we got a climber. That's right. That's right. Yeah, not too bad. Sorry, I'm smacking with the thing. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Yeah, the um, the fruited uh, beers are so sick. I love them so much. How's this one? You feel? Uh, yeah, so this is this is um, six point two. Yeah, so this is um, Montmorency sour cherries. Nice from the Hibble Farm, just behind our hop yard. Nice. Um, yeah, so we just went down there, walked every day, tasted the cherries. Went, yep, today's the day. And uh, yeah, they're, they're great people. They've, they've they've been on that farmhouse since like the seventeen eighties, want to say. Wow. Um, you know the old Mennonite farmers who kind of came in here. Once the um, Butler's Rangers, who were mm-hmm. the soldiers around here that, that fought the, the War eighteen twelve, um, they uh, they were given land parcels, but they weren't farmers; they were soldiers. Right. So the men they they give Mennonites to hey, farm land for me, and then the Mennonites just kind of settled here. Hung out. Um, yeah. So there's thirteen Mennonite families. What uh, does Mennonite mean again? Yeah, like, they're, they're kind of. Uh, I think they're like, like um, a derivative of Amish. Yeah, derivative of Amish, but you know, known for that very kind of you know, basic farming kind of ag- agrarian lifestyle. And uh, yeah, and you can still find a lot of those uh, people that surname in the area. They just settled here and started yes. families, and so we named our our fourteen fooders after the thirteen Mennonite families and the head of Butler's Rangers, Butler. That's sick. 
Yeah. I love that. It's nice. I mean, we look, I mean Matt, especially, he's a big fan of history in the area. Yes, uh, I noticed. And he's like and it's, it's nice to give a nod to, to, you know, all the things that came before our brewery. Right. I think that's great, man. Yeah. That's super sick. Let's see the photo. You grab the bottle. Sorry. I keep telling you what to do. Legend. This is great. This is like nice and smooth. Like one of the ones actually that we had at Casey was Montmorency cherries as well. Yep. Super. Um, he did tell us, he said sour cherries are sweet. In beer. And I think it's what you were saying before. He, did, when he, he did sweet cherries, eh? He, well, Montmorency's, are they sweet or are they They're sour? They're sour, yeah. They're sour. So he said, yeah. this, and this is not tasting incredibly sour. Yeah. So I think that he says it doesn't make any sense, but when you call them sour cherries, they actually are sweet yeah, in yeah, beer. So, yeah, they so have... find the, the barrel blends that would be more sour to put the sour cherries in because they're actually sweet and then you yeah. give it more sourness. Yeah, because I, I want to do something that was kind of sessionable again. So it has an acidity to it, but it's not like sour, sour, right? Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Um, I love it. Uh, what's your favorite hop? Ooh, um, my favorite hop, eh? It's a tough one. I know. Yeah. It's like choosing children, I think, there again. I mean, if I could get it, Nelson Savine, man. Like those. Yeah, old Kiwis. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's like that Sauvignon Blanc gooseberry thing, and then you put bread with it, and it's just a it's magical like thing. Everything, right? Yeah. Are they just like the most expensive, hardest to find? Uh, I heard a story that there was like some farmer who controlled like a third of, he, he had a farm with a third of the world's nozzle bean on it. Really? And the distributors uh, got in a beef with him and he tore him up. Really? Is yeah. That, that's it. This was like uh, four or five years ago. And so we're just now recovering um, uh. our stocks of nozzle bean. Meanwhile, it's a hot hop that you can't get. So, um, hot hot meaning just popular, like the yeah, people is popular as hell. Um, but once he tore it up, he set back you know a third of the world's nostalgia of bean crop. Damn, so, um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's such a beautiful hop and it works with farmhouse beers so well. Yeah, um, and I, I'd, I'd get more if I could. What do you have like a top top three or top five? Then? Yeah, um, being that you like, I guess you would be even more eclectic, being that it's like the way that you're working with the wood and stuff there's so many extra additional variances yeah I mean if you're, if you're gonna hop for a hop's sake mm -hmm. then it's probably Nelson Savine uh, Aussie Galaxy are beautiful hops and then I'm probably gonna include Simcoe yeah Simcoe's a good one maybe Citra I don't know but um, but then you know a lot of the beers that we make on the funk side um, using the farmhouse stuff it's um, you know Czech Zots and Styrian Goldings but they're not really like frontman hops right they're like they kind of support cast. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, your, your Nelson, they're all like front men. Put yeah. them up front and center, they'll be all things. Yeah. Whereas we tend to put our Brettanomyces lacto barrels up front and the hops support that. Same yeah. with our, our malt profiles. Very lean, very, very support cast. Um, I was reading something recently and people were like, you know, you're going to drink an IPA and it's going to say on the bottle what hops are in there, almost guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. But do they ever say what malt is in there? And I feel like some do, but we, we malt do. doesn't get the love. You guys say that? Nice. We do on everything. I mean, we do on the website almost. and on, uh, yeah, most of recipes have like, you know, that it's uh, cane, two row, wheat or, or music. Something like that. Yeah. It's just interesting to me that like, and I was like, well, because it's not like, oh man, I've got this... Uh, Crystal Moore Pilsner right here, like like no one, sure. is, you don't say that. Like it's just not a thing that like, you don't talk about what the malt is yeah. in the beer. You talk about there's, the hops. There's probably there's probably less personality to, to malt than there is to hops. Like if you have a a Pilsner based malt versus a Tura based malt, um, picking nuance out in that, you that's a master's serum kind of stuff there. Right, um, no, it's like way above our pay grade. Like. Yeah, whereas whereas picking out a, a Cinder versus Citra, I feel that's in the realm of like you know someone who's familiar with beer could pro could maybe do. Point. Yeah. yeah, the mold is a whole different thing. Uh, 
what does your family think of your job? Particularly in, in your unique case where they are, aren't here. Yeah. Um, no, they're all super supportive. Um, uh, Have they been out? Yeah, yeah. They've all been out here to, to, to check it out. and uh, Love it. Yeah. And they tend to travel as well. So if we don't meet here, we'll meet somewhere overseas. Sick. Um, yeah. I mean, love I'd it. love to see, see more of them. But uh, it's a long way. <laughs> it's a long way from home. Yeah. I, I'm supposed to go back... To in February again with my brother hasn't been back for a bit and I'm like I really want to see my mum and get but I'm just I don't know it's just until we can get like full first class or at least one of like business where you can lie down like sitting like this for 14 hours 15 hours yeah you gotta get the lie down or else have like three weeks to get out there acclimatise have a good time and then come back again yeah I just yeah it's too much yeah I just wish it was an easier way like I don't know, man, but, but, but bullet trains under the sea. I agree with that. Oh, right? well, maybe yeah. the Hyperloop thing that Elon's yeah. doing. Yeah, they're doing like some kind of vacuum tube thing yeah. going under the sea soon. I, I think he's doing it between uh, LA and... Oh, shit, what uh, did Sacramento? Say? Something like I mean, that. I mean, the boring, the boring Company? The Boring Company, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Hyperloop, is, I think yeah. he calls it the actual thing, and it's sort of like it'll get between, which might be an eight-hour drive in like 45 minutes. Then they got those those maglev trains. They're putting in a vacuum tube as well. So it's a similar type of concept, uh, but it's actually yeah. on rails. Uh, on rails, but you also you reduce the air friction as well. Right. So, uh, it's, like sucks put, it so it's basically it's it's it's, it's uh, levitating above a magnet, and then you're in a, a frictionless um, airspace, so you can achieve ridiculous speeds uh, faster than planes. And look at doing that. Like we're talking about doing between like New York and London in like forty five minutes. Like that. Crazy. That's a game change. That'll change the game. It means better get to Australia in a couple hours. That's it. You know, dinner with your mum and back home. Yeah, for, back home for, back uh, home for breakfast. Eh? <laughs> I'd be so down for this. That would take away the stress. Yeah, that would. Yeah. Uh, last question on this one. What's your favorite adjunct? Oh, um, lactose. No, I guess it's no. probably citrus. Um, Ooh, okay. I mean, if fruits, I mean, fruits, yeah. Let's just put fruits in there. Okay, fruit uh, in general. I, I, love, I love fruit in general. It's got, um, you know, it's own acid profile, it's own sugar content, um, and then get pit content, pit contact as well, which has just like woodiness and nuance to it. It's just, yeah, it's it seems to be like a masterless um, adjunct. Mm-hmm. Um, Meaning it's just so tough to nail It's just it. like, you know, obviously, you know, uh, winemakers have been trying for millennia to try and master this one fruit. Yeah. Trying to master all the fruits that we have around us, and I have uh, that, that connection to it as well. I can go walk through the orchards where fruit comes from. Right. Um, and know the fruit well. Um, yeah, definitely my favorite right now, yeah. I like that. That's a great answer. Yeah. And relevant. Yeah. Very relevant. Yeah. That must feel even cooler to not only, like, uh, just t- talking to Max, who's now, like, understanding it all, and, like, yeah. you know, if you've homebrewed, it's still like, man, we made this, this is sick, and it's, like, now different again because he's understanding the chemistry of it, and he start- they, they just did a collab with these guys in uh, Ottawa yep. uh, that they do every year, and, and seeing him talk about that and how excited he sort of you are to have this in someone's glass I mean from yourself to deal with the the nuances that you're talking about with the barrel aging to Mm. to actually walking through an orchard and and choosing and knowing the fruits uh, that you're putting in the beer I mean that must be an exceptional I guess feeling to to be like yo like this is what we came with and yeah I I mean mean, and that was why you know when Matt approached me it was just a straight like tick of the boxes it's like you're putting everything on paper that I've been thinking about for years here uh, you know, connecting to, to ingredients and doing funky styles that pushes the envelope in certain ways and crushes boundaries into, you know, winemaking or I want to do something in, in honey as well, into mead making. Nice. So just, yeah, really, you know, a, a boundless playground. Um, yeah, 
really I love it couldn't do anywhere else right yeah man this is the perfect place for it and it's i think it's much needed in the the area yeah as far as like what you guys can offer and and the facility is just glorious it's it's so it's so <laughs> nice it's so huge yeah. like even just like i didn't understand the scope until we got here like we like i said we grew with it the whole time and then when we got I'm like what the hell? Like, i didn't i missed it we drove past it because that can't be it <laughs> so we pulled in like that second driveway on the other side of the building yeah. like, oh shit there's a sign but, but we won't do it right right we won't if we don't do this thing Go big, and, go and and yeah, and take you know uh, uh, sour beer to 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 the people, uh, so to speak. You know, we wanted to do it properly. Yeah, um, I, I, I feel like we did. I really, I genuinely agree. Well, man. we will. I think it's, oh, you will. Well, but, but we're not there yet. Like not there yet. I mean, I'm sure you'll never be satisfied. But that's the curse of the entrepreneur. <laughs> that's it, man. But uh, man, I, I just respect everything you're doing. I think it's really sick. Uh, extra proud to have a, a Aussie just like at the helm of a place like this, and Thanks, just um, you know taking beer to the next level and just making it fun and, and engaging for everybody and I think that's what's going to keep beer that's what's going to move it into the future yeah I mean beer is fun man it's like it's, it's exploratory and it's a it's another medium for us to try new things new flavors um, yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's amazing man yeah. thank you so much really appreciate it uh, where can we find Bench Online um, you can find Bench Online at uh, benchbrewing.com and on uh, social media and on social media at, uh, at Bench Brewing. And that's what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, at, oh. ben, at Bench Brewing. And we shop online now. You got the e-store. Yeah, we got the e-store now as well. Uh, shop online. You can, Throughout Ontario, right? Yeah, you can get all of our, our beers uh, boxed up and sent to your door, uh, along with all our swag, glasses, uh, hats, all that kind of stuff. Tours as well. Yeah. Uh, tours of the tours, tours daily. Uh, so come and check us out. And... Uh, I'm usually, I'm usually around here if you want to ask some questions. Just looking for the Aussie guy in the flannel. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, tap and tasting rooms open seven days a week, uh, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, we can try all of our experiments, uh, try Eric Peacock's food, uh, see how they go together, and, uh, and hang out with a bunch of winemakers and brewers. It's beautiful. And it's open much later than the wineries. So once you finish at the wineries, then you're good. Now you can just like. That was a conscious choice. We wanted up. to. The winemakers told us we had to be open three hours after they knock off at 6 p.m. so they can have a pint after harvest. Yeah. I think it's like really important because that's the one thing that drives me nuts about wine is yeah. it's like so stressful like that you have to be here in this real short period of time. Um, so like it's fantastic that you guys are out here and like offering something a little different to, to the folks. So thank you again, bro. Really appreciate it. Guys, if you enjoyed the episode, mate, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us on social media at BOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio so you can hear extraordinarily attractive immigrants like Uncle Mark here talk about craft beer in wine regions. Uh, That is it, guys. Thank you for watching. We'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.